The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Hello, Cam Haynes. What's up? What's going on, buddy? Good to see you. Oh, man. It's good to be here in the yeah. spaceship. Look at this. It's weird, right? Yeah. It's very uh, polarizing. People love it or hate it. A lot of people hate it. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it's cool. I like it. Yeah. I don't love it. Yeah. I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's interesting. It's uh, We did it really quickly. I mean, we, we decided to move here within six weeks. We yeah. were here. Um, I said this on the, a video on my Instagram, but I should probably say it again. You live up there in Oregon. Yes. And I, I said something incorrect. I said about uh, there was a guy who got... I know there was one guy who got arrested for lighting fires. Mm-hmm. And I thought... I'd read some other shit about uh, activists getting arrested for lighting fires or Antifa people. Shouldn't yeah. even call them activists. What do you call them? Crazy people. Idiots. Morons. <laughs> but it's not true. So, sorry if you yeah. heard me say that. Jamie uh, informed me of it today. It's one thing about being out of the loop. You don't know when people are mad at you. Yeah. But this time, I agree with them. Like, yeah. they're mad at me for something that... Well, like, somebody did get arrested for yes. the Molotov cocktail. I read that. Right. That, that turns out to be true. He got arrested, and then he got out of jail, and then lo- lit some more things on fire. But... Right. See, this, here's the thing. Like, when when you say Antifa, like, what does that mean, right? Yeah, it I could don't... just be a crazy person. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of Antifa is. Like, that guy that shot that dude in Portland, the guy that shot the Trump supporter. Yeah. That guy's a crazy person. Yeah. He's dead now, right? Right. He was, a, he was a crazy person. Yeah. You know, just decided to pile on to this thing and become an activist. But that's what, when you don't have a, like a, a an entry examination. Yeah. Anyone can just join just up. just show up. Yeah, you just show up and now you're Antifa. Yeah. And now you're a part of the resistance. Yeah. But I fucked up. I said yeah. that people, a lot of people were arrested. I read some shit about it. I don't, I don't even remember where I read it about all these people getting arrested yeah. for lighting wildfires, but it wasn't true. It was just this one guy well, that for sure. I think they should have been arrested. Maybe that's the difference. Well, I see, that's why it made sense to me because they yeah. had been arrested for lighting fires in, or that they hadn't been arrested. They had been uh, seen lighting fires and throwing them into the mayor of Portland's apartment lobby yeah and they were lighting fires out in the street in front of his apartment Mm -hmm. it just when someone said oh look at all these arrests they're they're arresting people for lighting fires i just went oh that makes sense and i just repeated it i'm very upset with myself i don't like when i repeat shit that's not true that's definitely not true yeah i mean it's a it's a hard time though it's your spot up there though it is that's your area yeah it's it's you know people and they find out oh you're from oregon so what do you think of all you know it's just it's kind of embarrassing to to just because I understand people have an opinion and they want change and they you know maybe it's maybe some of it is valid, but I don't agree with a hundred nights of burning or however many nights has been of just burning and ruining a city. I don't I don't understand how that. I mean, eventually maybe one night have a protest, do whatever, get your message out, talk to people, but just destruction. I don't get that. I think it's exactly what we were just saying, that you get enough people that join onto a movement, and the, the movement has no like directive or leaders. They're just there showing up, mm-hmm. and you're going to get morons that do things like light books on fire and throw them into the lobby, like doing all the things that they yeah. were doing, trying to break into the federal building. It's just people are nuts, man. You get, and people are there. Everyone's so many angry people right now, too. That's yeah. also part of the problem. So many people are angry. It's a crazy time. And so many people are out of work because of COVID, because everything's shut down. So people are furious because of that. You know, they don't know what to do. It's just, it's one of those things where 
it doesn't doesn't seem like there's a solution on the horizon for a lot of people. No. And so then they're like, we got to burn this system down. Fuck this system. And it's like, yeah. whew. But That's Portland's rough. a fun place. I love going up there. I've always yeah. loved Portland. Well, I'm I'm proud to be from Oregon. I mean, Oregon is a great state. Um, this, I don't know, it's really hard to support just destruction. Yeah. And it's I just, it doesn't seem like it's helping anything. You know, and then, you know, all the conspiracy theories. Oh, it's the fucking, you know, they're, they're trying to bring down democracy. It's Russia and China involved. And, oh, George Soros is funding it. Like, there's yeah. a million different versions of the conspiracy of to why there's so much chaos in the streets. You know, it's, uh, it's a weird time. Yeah. I mean, Eddie Bravo was right about a lot of stuff. Alex Jones was right about a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it is crazy because you start, and I've even texted you about this, about wondering about, you know, people would always say, well, do the elites run the country and they're controlling this and media and this and that. And then, I, then you start wondering or thinking or seeing, and, and you see all this and it's like, maybe that's true. Maybe the elites have been controlling everything and they're still trying to with this COVID and the fear and everything they're doing. Just they can control people with fear. And that's what's happening. I get super suspicious when people use that term, the elites. Yeah. I'm like, how do you get in that I group? Like, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Is there a meeting? Like, yeah. what, is, what, is, what is the elites? What does that mean? I don't like them. I, I know that. That's a, I know yeah. enough about it. but I don't know if they're real. I mean, I th I, there has to be, right? There, ha There is a Bilderberger meeting, right? Yeah. Where the Bilderberg group, they get together and they meet up. Mm -hmm. But what do they do? I don't know. You know, maybe they just talk about interest rates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we were talking about this and I would probably, I'm a bow hunter. All right. So I'd, I don't like the, the politics and trying to explain all this. You but stay in your lane. I try to stay in my lane, but... I do have thoughts on other things. And we were talking about, like, if you even look at the movie 300 and Gladiator, like, the old time, the the weird, they would say boy lovers, and, you know, it's like these politicians. It's like a toned-down version of that still. It's like they're so, pol politicians, I don't know, that's why Trump got elected. They were so, people were so sick of, politi quote, politicians. But there still is that, that influence and that them controlling and then just a so much different than the people you know yeah well i think that's how you become successful as a politician you have to be a politician you mm -hmm. have to be like deeply embedded and again this is just guessing i'm a yeah. moron too i should stay in my <laughs> lane <laughs> i don't know what i'm saying yeah but i would imagine that the only way you really get successful as a politician is you have to be connected to all these other people that are connected to all these special interest groups and lobbies and that's mm -hmm. why you have to go to these fundraisers and that's why you have to mingle and and then it becomes normal. You become a part of, you know, it becomes a normal part of the system. Yeah. And I would imagine that that's the case with almost any big business. Like that's why guys get together, the big businessmen get together in golf. Yeah. Right. They, they get together and they talk shit and they figure out their plan and they, they work out deals and stuff. And, yeah. and some of them do it on fuck Island with Jeffrey Epstein. God. You know, I think that's a lot of, no way. What, what do you mean? I haven't heard anything about that. Well, what, it's what just is a that? place. It's beautiful. There's a lot of beautiful trees and the, the, oh. the beautiful warm water. And, and why is it called Fuck Island? Oh, I don't know. I don't call it that. <laughs> I call it a nice place to meet nice people. Right. And, I mean, uh, how crazy is that? That's just gone. It's like, hey, yeah. wasn't that a story or yeah. was that a thing? Just went away. But that sounds way crazier than Antifa lighting fires in Portland. Yeah, yeah. And it's true. Right. That's, that's a real one. Yeah. There's. Uh, I can talk about that. And they, they're like, well, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. 
God, I'm so mad at myself for saying that story and have it not be true. When Jamie showed it to me today, I was like, did I say that? Yeah. What is it like working with a moron? Well, is it weird? Like, no, really. Like, having someone like me being a, a moron like I am, being responsible for steering the ship, and, you know, your livelihood is connected to this. This has got to be strange, right? <laughs> so you're hitting the buttons, man. <laughs> 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 well, well, you got to take the good with the bad, I guess. Sure, Is that how you look at it? Thing, yeah. So yeah. how how does a a self proclaimed moron yeah. have the president of the United States? Well, he's clearly a moron too. There's the only the only thing that makes sense. Tweeting about you, <laughs> mentioning you. Want, when do? Oh, actually, See, when does him and Biden get here? What, no, what's not going to happen? See, what? Joe Biden's a smart one. He's like, well, that guy's a moron. I'm not going on his podcast. But if Trump, he's a smart one. We got <laughs> we got problems. Trump is like, that makes sense to me. I'm in. Well, Trump is like. I mean, he's obviously deeply, again, way, way out of my lane, just talking nonsense, <laughs> but he's obviously Nobody's connected listening. to business. He's a huge businessman, yeah. huge and successful businessman, mm -hmm. but not a politician in any way which other than becoming president, yeah. which is fucking bananas. Yeah. You know? Part it of is. it is good, man. Part of it is good just to expose the system and just to let everybody know, hey, look what can happen. Yeah. Look, he, how, look how it can go wrong. He has a whole fake news has really got some traction now. Yeah. Fake yeah. news is a real thing now. You I was say fake news. Yeah. I was pretty impressed with uh, the, the treaty we just signed um, with Israel. I mm -hmm. mean, remember Jared Kushner, got, he got beat up a lot. And Trump for appointing and the whole family and how everybody's involved in, in his his operation basically but you know like he jared kushner wasn't qualified and then here we signed this great treaty with israel and uh how'd that happen i don't know see if jared kushner was not married to trump's daughter mm -hmm. i think people would look at him very differently mm -hmm. the, the problem is he's married to trump's daughter and he looks like damien from the omen if <laughs> you ever see photos of him and damien side to side no, i haven't dude he yeah. looks like a goddamn horror movie like yeah. he's the the devil's son because perfect, like slick back hair, mm. perfect angular features, thin and always wears a suit. Yeah. Jamie, show me what's up. <laughs> Push some buttons. <laughs> he looks he looks very similar to the, the Omen. Well, whatever he did, it was good. Come on, son. Look at that. Yeah. Look at him and look at Damien. Look at the... Yeah, come oh, on. Right come there. on. Right there. Come That's on. That's almost exact. Bro. Is that Photoshop? No. That looks like it could be Photoshop. No. And even showing off his watch. Look at my watch. The devil gave me this watch. That's not Gucci. <laughs> look at that. Those two up in the, the... That looks like a horror movie. Like, oh, they're, they're, they're bringing in the Antichrist. Oh. The well. one on the far left with Donald Trump being blurry and him... That one right there. Click on that one. Come on, son. That's some satanic shit. If that was in a Stephen King movie, you'd be like, oh my God, they've got to stop him. They've got to stop him. Well, wh whatever powers he's used, it, it worked out good for this treaty. It's just got good features. Yeah. You know, that's the kid's it. getting a hard time because he's got good angular features. Yeah. yeah. I wish I looked that good. I do too. Yeah. Smooth skin. Oh, man. Looks nice. It's oh. young. Yeah. Handsome. Tight. Yeah. yeah everything's Tight. smooth. <laughs> no, no, no ruddiness to his skin. No. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you, the problem is, if you're married to the president's daughter and then you get a big job in, mm -hmm. in the White House, automatically you're fucked. Like yeah. People are just going to say automatically you don't deserve that position. There's yeah. no way. And Biden's son is the same thing, probably. Right, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that doesn't come up too often either, and that's pretty scandalous. Right, that thing where you know someone got fired because uh, Biden uh, forced it through. Well, how did that work? Do you remember that? Oh, 
Yeah, no, I, I, don't I better. Care. We should stay out of politics. <laughs> let's let's it's try to avoid the retractions. I just wish there was something going on that I was really excited about. Like this like, is good. Like elk hunting. Yes. Oh, elk hunting. See? We're doing that soon. I know. I know. That's we're different. days away. That's di- and the thing about it. So I was just in Colorado. No reception. You versus the animals. Uh, reading the country, reading the wind. That's. I mean, that's life. That's none of this BS. Yeah. That, well, that's the beautiful thing about the woods as a reset is that when you're out there and quiet, you realize, oh, none of these animals out here give a fuck about me. No. They don't know who I am. They don't know what, what is happening in the world. They're not aware of Kamala Harris and <laughs> Joe Biden, no. or Nancy no. Pelosi or Donald Trump. They don't know nothing. No. They're just out there trying to eat grass and not get eaten. They're, and breed. Yeah. And, it, and, you know, John, when John was there last year, he was like 18 yards away from a mountain lion. John. Oh, Dudley. Dudley. Yeah. 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 Well, I saw, t- um, we saw, I think when I was there, I saw one, but the guys hunting saw two during the day, mountain lions and just out doing it because the snow came, the weird snowstorm. It went from 90 degrees one day to 20 degrees the next day. How does that happen? I don't know. Jared Kushner. That's how. <laughs> yeah. Satan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly had to be but anyway the animals were they didn't know what to do so the lions were out hunting hard they were like this is great animals weren't moving mm. because they didn't know they were ca- kind of caught off guards normally the seasons change as a gradual and i think the bull stopped bugling the deer stopped moving normally the bucks are in velvet so they're off feeding and just in their normal routine everything stopped because the snow and this cold temperature came but the lions were, they're like, oh yeah, now we're going to the hot pocket section and killing some deer and elk. And uh, it was it was crazy, but we saw two lions and then the bear were kind of gone for a little while, but then they popped back out too. And uh, it was good hunting for sure. Yeah, um, that video that you posted, the bear eating the elk calf, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's something that people need to see. Yeah, need to see the. It's like people who love wild animals. I, I I understand it. Like, but there's, there's a real cruelty to the way they die in the wild. Yeah, that if people get upset about hunters, like you kind of, I understand that you wouldn't want a beautiful animal to die. I do mm-hmm. understand that, but you kind of need to know that they're gonna die no matter what happens, and this is the way they usually die. Yeah, and it's a rough way to go. You know, Bear, bears eating animals like that it's it's so hard to watch too because the bears don't really kill them first no and and the bear this year was a hard year for the elk calves because so the cows were were pregnant drop we call it dropping the calves so they were giving birth and the bear were just following knowing that the calves are going to be dropped they'll be on the ground they can't stand up and they could just kill them pretty quick and so they were finding like two cat two dead elk calves a day every day and this was a hard year specifically because it was dry in Southern Colorado. So the grass didn't grow. Normally the, the grass would be taller, there'd be more cover. Elk calves could hide better. They were just laying on the open. And the bears were like, oh, okay, there you are. Go oh, wow. kill them and start eating them. And it was just, they they hammered them this year. I mean, normally I talked to the game warden there um, when I was on that hunt, great guy, legend. Uh, Bob's his name and um, he's been there for many years and uh, he said that normally in that area there's about I think 23 elk calves survive a year out of 100 
and this year was down in the teens because of the the grass was mm. they couldn't hide. So, so it's, it's going to be a rough year. It's in the tough future. to survive anyway. I mean, yeah. twenty three out of a hundred is isn't you know. I, don't quote me on these numbers, but it was just the point is I want to make it was less this year because there wasn't the cover. Yeah, it's a it's a rough world, man. The world that they live in. You know, when mm -hmm. we were there with Johnny Hamilton and he was telling us that story, I've told the story before on the podcast about how they were tracking a cat and uh, they they found the cat's tracks and then elk tracks and then no more cat tracks. And yeah. then they found the elk about 100 yards later. The cat had jumped on the elk's back yeah. and taken out a big bull elk. Yeah. I mean, those they are amazing creatures. They yeah. live in the snow. They live in cold weather in the mountains. They live solo, yeah. they hunt solo, they only interact with other animals mostly when it's time to breed, right? Yeah, cats. Yeah. Yeah, and they kill, cats specifically kill a lot of big bucks. And the reason why is because those big old bucks, they like being by themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't like being, they just kind of go off by themselves, bed, and they live a solo life basically. That's easy target for a cat. So cats kill a lot of big bucks. Yeah, it makes sense. But they're, I love that they're there. This is the thing about predators. It's like, I don't want to get eaten by a mountain lion, no. but I love that they exist. I don't yeah. want to get eaten by a grizzly, but I love the fact that there are grizzly bears. Yeah. Like all of it is, it's so, it's such an interesting world, the world of the wild, it the world is. of predator and prey. Mm -hmm. And when you're out in there, you feel so vulnerable and you feel so fleshy. Like, like whenever I see, and like when you, even when you like, you, you, you're taking care of an elk that you killed and you mm. feel their hide, yeah. you're like, God, I'm so weak. Like everything that we have is so soft and they're just, they live in this life that's so, it's so robust oh. and it's so, it's If they survive, wild. like the bull I just killed, the taxidermist, um, he just texted me or sent me a message on Instagram of the ivory. So that's the, the back teeth of the bull. They call them ivories. They're ivory. People make jewelry out of them. But he said they're the most worn ivories he's ever seen. So the the bull was very old. And uh, so you can imagine a bull that's in that country, 10, 12 years old, where you're living outside every single day. I mean, we stay outside one time. And it's just like, oh, my God, I thought I was going to die. People do die. People do yeah. die from hypothermia. They're out every single day living in the mountains. So... When you see their hide, they're built for that. When their muscle, I mean, a seven, 800 pound bull elk that never eats meat, obviously just eating grass, solid muscle. You know, yeah. those things are just built. It's incredible. Um, and also with all those lions and the bears trying to survive that, Johnny, you mentioned Johnny Hamilton. They took eight lions out of that country this year and we're still seeing them during the daylight every day. They have so much food. Oh yeah, that's the thing. If it's good hunting, lions are going to be there. Yeah, it's it's just the the world that they live in so spectacular. Mm -hmm. uh, they're trying to introduce uh, reintroduce wolves to Colorado. Oh God, don't that's, you know about all that? Yeah, that's yeah. ridiculous. You no. think that's ridiculous? Yeah, no. I, I'd like to have a biologist sit down and talk to like a biologist who's pro reintroduction of wolves sit down with someone like you mm -hmm. and and have like a conversation about it yeah here's the problem here's what they do they say it all sounds good hey let's wolves are a big part of the whatever um let's get them back in where they used to be let's make because even you said you like see, knowing there's grizzly bear out yeah. there and you don't obviously you don't want to be attacked but just knowing they're there and maybe seeing them and 
and wolves are an amazing animal. The problem is they make they make all these um, oh, I don't know I don't want to say promises, but they sell it a certain way. Like we're going to have this many packs of wolves, and they'll they'll breed this this often, and then so we'll have a carrying capacity of this many wolves. Well, so once the wolves are there, then it's oh no, we can't kill wolves because they they sell it like they're going to manage them. You know, because right. we're going to keep this many. But then it's like once they're there, they're like, "Oh no, we can't hunt wolves." I was like, "Well, is... no, I thought you were going to. I thought we were going to manage them." Oh, so that then all, everything goes back to nothing. And then you got all these protests with all these pro-wolf advocates saying we can't hunt wolves. So they're there, they're breeding over and over and over. You got all these wolves running around killing because that's what they do, and we can't hunt them because now we've backtracked. Well, it it is one of those things where they promise that like they have a number like if we have 2000 wolves in this particular area then we'll open it up to management right. what management e- means is they'll have tags and they'll uh, put tags available for hunters and they can go and hunt wolves people that hear that they're like wait why would you like they hear you don't eat wolves why would you hunt wolves mm-hmm. wolves are beautiful wolves are like dogs yeah but i understand that and i'm on that perspective i get that perspective it makes a lot of sense to me but People need to know that there was a reason why they wiped them out in the first place. Yeah, like they they were destroying cattle, and they were. I understand too. Like, hey, they were here first. I get that. I get yeah. that perspective. But if you eat meat and you like having cattle, these ranchers, it's a struggle as a rancher as it is. Yeah. And if ranchers get hit with wolves, and wolves start taking out their calves and taking out their cattle, like it's, it can be devastating. They, you know, like in Alaska, they kill people's dogs. They do a, a lot. Of, there's a lot of wild videos of wolves tearing apart dogs in people's backyards. And wolves are just doing wolf things. Yeah, it's, that's it's, what they do. It's not. It's not their fault. But once they're there, yeah, they're not going anywhere. Well, places where they exist, they have a different perspective on them. I remember I was in BC, um, and I ran into this man at the airport, and uh, I, I forget why he came up to me. I think like I had a. Maybe I had a hunting T-shirt on or something. Something keep hammering. Maybe it was a keep hammering shirt. But he he came up to me and he said, uh, "Are you a hunter?" And I said, "Yeah, I, yeah." And he goes, uh, "He goes, yeah. We uh, we do a lot of hunting up here." He goes, uh, "I do a lot of wolf hunting." Mm. And uh, I was like, "You you wolf hunt? Like just right out, right out of the gate at the airport?" Yeah, I'm a wolf hunter. Yeah. And I, I go, why do you hunt wolves? Like, what are you hunting wolves for? This is like early on in my, right. my hunting days. Right. And he's like, if you don't hunt them, man, you got a real problem with their numbers. He goes, yeah. uh, I, and he was telling me stories about friends that have ranches and they get attacked by wolves. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the cattle get attacked by wolves. And he was telling me that they take barrels of frozen meat and that they freeze them with water and then they leave these big bricks mm-hmm. of frozen meat and water uh, out for wolves. And then he's got stands set up mm-hmm. where he uh, who waits for wolves because it takes a long time for them to eat through the meat and the ice like this like a barrel right. filled with and you know he just kind of sets up shop and he goes and he goes some of them are just too smart he goes i'll set that up and they're like nope i know what that is yeah they won't come anywhere near it he goes you'd be uh-huh. amazed how smart they are mm-hmm. but it's just people that live like in bc in northern bc there's a lot of wolves they have yeah. wolf issues up there and those people, they have a completely different attitude about what a wolf is. Yeah, and but it, it's the people that know wolves. Yeah. It's just the same thing in BC with the grizzly right. bears. You know, I mean, and anybody exactly. who's, who's out in the bush knows, hey, grizzlies are a big problem out here, but the people in the city make the decisions with the vote. Right, and that's what happened when they banned 
grizzly bear hunting in BC. And that's what would likely happen in Colorado with wolves. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, I mean, Colorado's Denver and Boulder. Yeah. Right? That's the big population Very centers. Very liberal. Very. And they're not going to be into shooting wolves. Anybody like, wolves who's cool. out there, like where I was and the guys I'm hunting with, <laughs> there's no, no debate. Yeah. No wolves. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. I but mean, some people say, like, the reason that's the case is because people want a lot of animals that they can hunt. Mm-hmm. Like this is the argument, like Steve Rennell has actually talked about this before with Alaska, that Alaska's done this sort of over-management of wolves in certain areas because mm-hmm. they want to make sure that there's a high number of moose and caribou and and deer so that people will come up there to hunt. Yeah. You know, because they're trying to maintain, and he's like, there's an argument that that's not the natural ecosystem. There's the, a, the natural ecosystem doesn't include skyscrapers. That's true too. So yeah, I mean, humans do infringe on that's part of it. So yeah. it's never going to be, it's never going to be like caveman or native American times. It's never going to be back to that. Yeah. So we're trying to balance it as best we can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, big game animals are a resource. They're a resource for the States that they, you know, hunters do come in. They contribute to a lot of things, the habitat, the conservation, um, different projects and that's hunting money. So if the, there's a bunch of wolves there and you can't hunt the wolves because these groups have, have protested and made it illegal and then the wolves are killing all the deer and elk yeah that's not going to work yeah it's it's um it's an interesting situation because i love the fact that there are places where there are wolves like uh yeah whenever we've gone to bc to john and jen's place up there alberta or i'd say sorry alberta whenever we've gone up there um in canada you you know there's wolves in that area yeah. and there's something cool about it. I remember we saw one once in the distance crossing uh, crossing a road. It's pretty mm-hmm. far away. Yeah, but I remember, that was like the closest I've ever been to a wolf. But just seeing it crossing that road and I'm like, look at that. That's I a know. fucking wolf. Yeah, Whoa. and I think that we get a we get our bear license, but then we also get um, a license for wolves. I think it's twenty five or fifty bucks. It's pretty cheap. And there's always a hope that you'll see a wolf and be nice to get an arrow in one and um well they want to control them because they destroy the oh, yeah. population of the the moose and the elk and the, and it's you know the are it's a for people that don't that aren't in that world they're like well why would you why would you want to kill a wolf like why don't just let them sort it out mm-hmm. like that's the california argument yeah. like what they want to do essentially the people that manage wildlife a lot of them at least in california they would like to eliminate hunting mm-hmm. and let the animals all take care of themselves in some sort of normal wild way and yeah. force everyone to eat tofu <laughs> force you to eat tofu until yeah. you grow breasts right i think that's the plan i think it's written somewhere uh-huh. i don't think that's true but i do think that they they don't like the idea of human beings uh they like there's things that people will accept like deer hunting yeah people have deer hunted forever a lot of people have eaten deer. Deer yeah, tastes good. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But as soon as you move into things like mountain lions, like even if you tell Bear. people that mountain lions taste good, they don't want to hear that. No. They do not want to hear you're eating mountain lions. Well, they're not seeing lions, so they don't think there's any out there, but California is riddled with mountain lions. Yeah, there's quite a few. Yeah. There's quite a few. And they also don't have bad experiences with them. I think the people that have bad experiences with them have a completely different attitude. Yeah, you then, have one on your back, you yeah. want them hunted. Yeah, now it's not, you're not in Disney. Yeah. Not in a Disney movie. Now right. you're a part of the food chain and you realize like, oh, I'm way down here. Mm-hmm. I'm not up here. When I'm in my house and I've got a gun, I'm yeah. up here. But when you're uh, out in the woods and you don't have a gun and you're hiking yeah. and you realize you're being stalked. Yeah. There's a crazy video that I saw once from Colorado, this guy, 
and uh, there's a mountain lion slowly walking towards him on this trail. And he's trying to figure out what to do, and he's yeah. talking to it, and he's like saying, "Hey, get the fuck out of here!" Like, yeah. and you know, you realize like he got away, like yeah. the mountain lion gave up on him, luckily. But that could have been the end of that guy's life. That For thing sure. is just slowly moving towards him and trying to figure out whether or not it could eat him, and that's all it does. It's not like I've never done this before. I don't know if I can do this. Like it no. takes down things every single day. Yeah, I mean, it definitely. Yeah, when it's when. A predator locks eyes on you like that. It's definitely a different feeling. I mean, yeah, it's uh, they're good at what they do. I mean, they kill. Yeah, um, I remember that uh, Under Armour commercial that you did, mm-hmm. where uh, they had a wolf in the yeah. commercial with you. Yeah, and you said you said that they could only get the wolf to growl one time because after that it was over. Like you, you could not control the wolf. No, yet we we um, to make it growl to make it mad we gave it meat and then took it away so it was very upset it didn't get the meat but once it got in that because it was obviously a, a tame wolf or a it'd been in trained. movies trained wolf um but once you introduce meat and it got in that mindset of of meat yeah then that was that was going to be it yeah this is the the commercial it's an awesome commercial how long ago was this commercial um i'm not sure quite a few years ago right yeah like four or five what, at what least right say? 2013 damn yeah. seven years ago yeah it's a dope commercial yeah and it's cool the wolf was awesome i mean wolves are amazing how big was it it was tall i mean i i'd say it's probably 120 130 pounds i guess but they're a lot taller than what you like compared to a dog a normal dog how come they don't do more of these commercials i don't know so the whole idea is that you and the wolf are in competition and that you won out. Yeah. See, I got the bull and it's mad. And so that's when it, it did that growling. Yeah. Yeah. And then that after, after it did that, that was it. You could tell it's got a collar. Back that up a little bit. <laughs> Back that up a little bit. Look, look yeah. at that. Yeah, it has. Well, it's just a little, it's a little rope, but that's, it had its hair matted down right there. Yeah. But it's a little rope. That's but. someone's dog, bro. Yeah. That's a husky. No. It was a wolf, but it's, yeah, it had a little piece of rope on it. Have you ever heard the John Dudley story that he told on the podcast? Yeah. That's yeah. A crazy Being surrounded story. by a wolf yeah. or something well, like that? Well, they fucked up, and it was like that scene in The Gray. They killed an elk, <laughs> and they didn't realize they killed an elk literally in the wolf's den. Oh, God. Like, where they killed the elk, there was, like, bones all over the place in oh. the area, and they're like, oh, shit. And these wolves circled them and decided that they were going to take the elk. Wow. Yeah. And what? They, what where was that? It was in BC. BC. And it was him and a guide. And the guide only had a certain amount of bullets. Oh. And uh, he only had a certain amount. Because John only uses a four-hour quiver. Yeah. So John shot the uh, elk with one quiver, or yeah, one, one arrow, arrow from his quiver. Yeah, three and then left. he had three left. And he killed two other wolves. And he had one arrow left. And uh, they had shot three wolves together. Like, mm. And the wolves were running at them. Running really? at them. He killed two wolves that were running at him. Wow. Yeah, and then one of them, he thinks was the alpha male, was sitting on the top of this ridge, like mm-hmm. at about, I think he said about 50, 60 yards, mm-hmm. staring at him, and he drew back for that one, and then he took off, and then the mm-hmm. whole pack just took off with him. They, they'd abandoned the situation because they realized wow. what was going on. But when they shot one, he said all the other ones started howling, mm-hmm. like they tried to figure out who was dead. Yeah, check in. Yeah, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. So like he's basically in a weird little war. With these wolves, wow. and they were they were making runs at them. 
That'd be intense. Oh my God. He said our back was to a tree. Wow. And he goes, the guide only has like a couple of bullets. Because mm-hmm. the guide's bullets are just to scare off grizzlies. Yeah. And yeah. he doesn't want to shoot it. He just wants to scare it. They're right. not hunting grizzlies. Yeah. So he brings a couple. I'll just grab a couple of bullets, put them in my pocket. And then here they are out in this situation where they're, they're literally getting run up on by a pack of wolves. Man, that's intense. I couldn't imagine. It's wild. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen what me and Roy, um, the last, it wasn't our last hunt. This was the hunt before I was hunting brown bear up in Alaska. And I wanted to kill, in this area, there's so many brown bear, you could kill two. So I wanted to kill one spot and stock and then hunting a, hunt a tree. And, and you can bait them up there because there's so many. And they had just made this um, legal. So my goal was to hunt both ways. Anyway, I killed a bear on the spot and stock. And uh, we were up in the tree trying to kill... Um, another bear we were on this island and uh it was uh i thought we saw a flash of a bear earlier and it's getting dark it's like well it never really it gets dark for about an hour and a half at this time of year this was in july and so we were just gonna stay in the tree the whole time so we got in there at um seven at night and we we're gonna stay till five in the morning and just kind of ride out the the darkness and uh i saw a flash and i thought we had seen a bear earlier but it didn't come in and I thought, oh, the bear's coming back. Turns out it was a wolf, and it's a black wolf. And it came in there. I have it on video. I haven't even shared it yet, but um, it was a black wolf, and it stopped there at about twenty or twenty-five yards. And it was so just a wild wolf that close is pretty amazing. It's like they're a special animal. It is. There's something about them because they're so damn smart. Yeah. It reminds me of that picture, well, the wolf in the picture. I think, did they send you one too? That photographer, the wolf I have on the snow, the black one yeah. with his head yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of that the old wolf. studio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just such an incredible animal. So, yeah, I, I love wolves. I definitely don't think um, wolves should be wiped out or anything like that, but I just don't think wolves in Colorado, is, that's, not, that's not a thing we should do. <laughs> it's just reintroducing them just sets off a whole chain mm-hmm. i need to talk to somebody there was a guy that is a uh, a pro he's a biologist and he's pro wolf reintroduction yeah i need to have my, you want to be on with him sure yeah, yeah let's it, do it it'd be an interesting conversation yeah maybe you can it. explain yeah there's, there's a great video called uh how wolves i think it's called how wolves change rivers yeah you see yeah, i've heard, I've heard yeah. about it yeah really interesting video about this guy he talked about the reintroduction of wolves in the 1990s into in yellowstone. yellowstone yeah yeah and about how it's changed the ecosystem for the better yeah but then i looked into the guy yeah and the guy is for uh, the better is yeah uh, he's an eccentric character yeah uh i'm not saying he's wrong but he's uh he's into what's called rewilding mm. and he wants to reintroduce wild animals into places including like the uk he mm. wants to reintroduce like he's like the UK used to have lions and elephants and all these di- all these different animals. Wow. He wants to see if we could find this gentleman. the The guy, it's it, his. The concept is rewilding, and apparently he was like this really depressed guy mm. who was like urban, you know, doing the 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 normal city thing in in England, and uh, got really into the idea of wildlife and, mm. and reintroducing wildlife. Yeah. I feel bad for them over there. I mean, no hunting. Yeah. I mean, you know, me without hunting. Well, that's your 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 source of food. 
It's also what you train for. Which when I first met you, and I was like, "Why does this guy train so hard? Like, what is he doing?" Mm-hmm. And then you're like, "Oh, I, I train for uh, bow hunting." I'm like, "What? Like, yeah. what is happening when you bow hunt? Like, <laughs> yeah. what, are you in a race? Like, what's yeah. going on?" And then the first time you took me, I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. okay, I get it. Fuck, you have to be in like really crazy shape yeah. to pull this off." Well, you don't. You don't have to. But here, what I know is like when hunting, and you know how it is now. You've done it for years. But in the mountains, um, there's so many, yeah, you can get up and down the mountains, you can get around elk, but there's so many decisions that you have to make and it's, it's related on performance. So the higher level of performance, the better decisions you're going to make. I mean, like on these last hunts, I, I pretty much have an arrow knocked. I've, I killed two bulls this year and a buck and a bear. I've had an arrow knocked pretty much all day, pretty ready to go. And that's, that can be fatiguing. Yeah. Just this walking around slowly is tiring. So when you're at a heightened level for eight hours or more, 15 hours on some days, and you're covering distance and, and it's like, I want to be ready at all times for anything that happens. So I have an arrow knocked and I am ready. So like to do that, it's exhausting. If I, if I didn't train the way I do, I couldn't do that. So who knows what that would result in as far as success, but people don't realize that just, I mean, you know what it's like when you're hunting, it's like almost, you know, yoga poses all day. Essentially. I've heard people describe it as, yeah. and, uh, cause you're going so slow and so controlled and every footstep is, is controlled and, 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 uh, um, just freezing. Like if you're in a situation and an elk sees you and you have to freeze and you're mm-hmm. holding your bow in your hand, yeah. you don't realize how damn heavy that thing is. And they don't have anywhere to go. And they'll just stand there. They'll, they they'll have stand nothing to do other than not let whatever they're unsure about kill them. And their vision is based on edge detection, right? I don't know. I think it's based on they see you movement. Mean? They, like that's why camo works. Yeah. Because if you're if you're standing there, they don't say, "Oh, there's a dude in camo." Mm-hmm. They see the pattern and they see the edges. As long as you don't move, right? They don't see. Oh, right. Anything yeah, yeah. Funky. Movement. They definitely but pick up movement. When they see movement with like the edge detection, like moving edges, mm-hmm. like this edge is moving towards that edge. Like, what is that? Yeah. But if you just stand still, right? But if you got that bow in your hand, you're like, "Fuck, I don't know. How I can mm-hmm. hold it like this," and you've got your bow out like this, and you're trying to hold it. Steady, like you got maybe a minute, two minutes in you yeah. before that fucker starts to shake, and then the elk is like, Whoop! yeah, and then, barking. yeah, and so you you quickly realize when doing hunts like that what being in shape means. Yeah. Oh, dude, I I learned like last year I thought I was in pretty good shape until I went up there with you, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, got that one hill that we went up to to get the bull yeah. that we wind up getting. Fuck, that was hard. And yeah. to get up there, and then the only good thing is that I was in good enough shape that even though I was exhausted, I got my my heart rate back quick. Yeah, it recovered. And then I could, I could, I could. It wasn't like I was beaten down once I got up there. Yeah, because you still have to. We had to get the wind right to get up the hill. Yeah, essentially what it was. And that recovery is all related to how good a shape you're in. That thing that we had last year. I mean, I don't know if we ever played the clip, but that moment that we had up there was one of the wildest elk hunting moments. I don't know. I haven't haven't been elk hunting for that long. Mm -hmm. That was the wildest thing I'd ever experienced. When you killed your bull? There was, how many bulls were up there? Like nine. Just screaming. It was like, We'd we'd pass some bulls, but there was nine just on that one little hillside. It was like, it's what I would call a rut fest. So there must've been some hot cows in there. 
those bulls were coming in, they can smell a hot cow, which means the cow in estrus. So she's ready to breed. Um, ovulating, I guess, is what you'd say if for a human. But uh, so she was in estrus, means she's a hot cow. I mean, those bulls are like, okay. I mean, bulls kill each other. Yeah. They kill each other all the time fighting. Well, tell the story about the one bull that you shot that you thought was in its bed, but was actually dead. Yes, yeah. No, so I I, uh, I snuck up and I saw this bull and its head was, I don't know, I mean, they get exhausted. So it's, they can lay their head down a little bit and rest. I mean, middle of the day, they up all night, rutting, chasing, fighting. So I saw this bull bedded and it was a big bull and I'm like, God, I don't know. I mean, it's not moving, but I don't know. Might as well, we've got to make sure. So I took my boots off and I started sneaking in, sneaking in, sneaking in. And I got to about 20 some yards and I'm like, I don't know, but I don't want to be wrong. So I shot the bull, never moved. And it was already dead. It had been killed the night before. It took a tine in the neck, it looked like. Wow. And it, and it got, it was dead from fighting. Wow. Yeah. I now, mean, do you, if it got killed the night before, can you salvage the meat? I don't think so. I mean, it didn't look good. Was it hot? It was a hot day? Yeah, it was hot. Yeah. 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 That's a bummer. Mm -hmm. I know. That's, I mean, that's life in the wild. It is life in the wild. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, we, we stumbled across one that had been killed, had been uh, poked in the side, but it had been quite a while ago and it was rotten. It mm. smelled terrible. Mm -hmm. This Just, one, I'm guessing it was the night before. It, was, it wasn't that long, but the meat had turned. You yeah. realize that, you know, those antlers on their head, that's not just for looks. No. They're, they're, that's their weapons of war. No. Um, this uh, this kid, Wes, on the last hunt that I just did in Colorado, he had some good footage of bulls fighting. Oh, my God. Dude, they're getting after it. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, That's what makes it, you know, between that being um, they're so aggressive and then the sounds they make, if people haven't heard them, if you hear a bull bugle at 20 or 30 yards, you can't believe how loud that is. Then you couple that with the antlers and the size of them and their aggressive nature. And they're coming, you can hear them coming through the trees and shit's breaking. And as a hunter, you're sitting there and it's a lot to absorb. You know, it's a lot. I saw somebody yesterday commented that they've been practicing at 20 yards on a target and uh, it's so small compared to a bull elk. It's like, that must look like a house at 20 yards. How could you miss? And I'm like, well, people shoot over the back of bulls all the time at 20 yards because it's so intense. Yeah. They if you have never experienced it, the yeah. screaming alone, it's like when you're near it, Yeah, it, they sound like something from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, what an animal, man. Oh. I mean, they have everything going for them. They do. The, the looks, the crazy antlers, the delicious meat, the crazy sounds they make, the yeah. wild places that they live, yeah. and the romantic but short life that they live. Yeah. They live this wild, crazy, short life running away from mountain lions and bears and, and wolves and, and trying to get laid. Yeah. And then fight another elk to the death with swords that grow out of your head. <laughs> Sounds like the life I want to live. No, no, I'd rather be the bow hunter. Oh, sleep in a nice place, and even if it's just a tent, yeah, someplace with a sleeping bag, nice shelter. Pillow. I ah, know. Mm. Yeah, we'll get up and do this again tomorrow. Yeah, they're drink out, out of a cooler. Meanwhile, they're out there surviving yeah. all night. Never, never lets up. To me, it's my uh, one of my favorite parts of the year is just the reset of just experiencing the woods, the real wilderness. Yeah, like where we're going in Utah and the mountains. What is it? Was that mountain range called? Um, is it the Unita, Un, Un, 
Unitas or Unitas or something mm, like that. Whatever it is. It's it's a gorgeous mountain range. Yeah. It's gorgeous and it's it's just it just reminds you, you know, of what life must have been like before human beings ever existed, before they ever came to this part of the world. Mm -hmm. And just walking around with those animals, it just it's a reset. It's a real reset. Yeah. And every that, time I eat that meat, I think about oh, those those moments. I know that connection and when we talk about it, I mean it ad nauseum probably, but that that feeling Look at that. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty. Yeah, that's yeah. You need a. Winnie Unta? How do you say it? I don't know. Try it. Winta? Who is that? A Native American word? Winta? I'm not sure. Who made that word up? Why they put those letters together like that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. But that is what it looks like. That's yeah. part of what it looks like. Yeah. Really looks like the um, yeah. yeah like the, that right there. That's that's super. Yeah, that's super familiar to me. Yeah. So gorgeous. Oh, it's beautiful. And we'll hike if like we'll start where you see the beginning at the bottom of the screen and we'll go all the way to that far mountain range. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you're if you're out of shape, yeah. It's a rough go of it. You're just gonna make take a lot of shortcuts like into your decision making and make a lot of poor decisions. Yeah. And chances are you're not gonna I mean, you can kill. People kill all the time. I see it all the time. Look, this guy killed and he doesn't run a marathon a day or whatever that people No, you can say. get lucky. Yeah, you, you can but if you're gonna have sustained su success for decades, uh, multiple times a year, you're gonna have to be at your best. Yeah. That's all there's to it. And I got to think that a guy like you who does ultra marathons and all, all this crazy working out, there has to be something to what you're eating. There has to be. Yeah. The fact that you're eating all this wild game is that your diet is like, how much of your diet's meat? Oh, probably, I would say 40%. Just 40? Yeah. 40 to 50. What's the rest of it? Uh, carbs, like potatoes and rice and uh, fruits and vegetables. Just think about how much wild game you consume and how mm. much, how protein rich that is and how like that dark red meat that you get from these yeah. animals, like how, how good that is for you. Yeah. That has to have some sort of a, uh, an effect on your, your physical abilities. Because one of the things that people always marvel at with you is like, how the fuck does this guy do so many things? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you have the time to get up in the morning I mean, there's been many times you've run a marathon a day. Mm -hmm. I know people are hearing this, oh, this guy's full of shit. No, no, no. No, <laughs> yeah. a marathon a day. You've yeah. run m multiple marathons in a day. You've done days where you got up at mm -hmm. 3 o'clock in the morning, more than one day, mm -hmm. where you ran a marathon and then went to work. Yeah. Or you've run 18, 19 miles, went to work, and then finished the marathon off during your lunch break. And yeah. then you go lift weights. And then you shoot your bow, or you shoot your bow, and then you lift weights. And, like, it has to play a factor i know there's just overall endurance and discipline and the fact that you've just always given yourself this hard workload and mm -hmm. your, your body's adapted to it i'm sure that has something to do with it yeah but the fact that you're not injured all the time and the fact that you have all this energy i gotta think that that wild game plays a big factor in all that i would think i mean i eat wild game every day every single day and i know that has to help me recover um but I, I think aside from that, I think we're, as humans, we're capable of so many amazing things. And it's like, I've, that's why the people who you've had on this podcast that I've, I've like been obsessed with connecting with because they're humans just like we are, but they, Goggins, they do incredible. It's like, how can the same species of 
of wh whatever. So humans, just like everybody else walking around here, do such amazing things. And I, I try to, I want to connect. I always want to connect with those people like Goggins, uh, Courtney DeWalter, um, been running with Emma Coburn lately. She's a, um, Olympic steeplechaser. She won the bronze at the last Olympic Pro I'm thinking she's going to win the gold at this Olympics this coming year. So I try to think, well, how, how can they do that? They're the same species as we all are. There must be something. Courtney's, Courtney's the toughest person I've ever been around. I've been around some tough people, but her mental toughness is, is unlike anything you've ever seen. And it's I've, weird too. I've said, she seems so nice and normal. She is, but she's, yeah, she's, you know, couldn't get more, uh, uh, you couldn't find a more sweet person. But um, I've said this before where a dog will run itself to death. That's, yeah, I took that picture right there. What is this? It says, so, we estimate I slept fewer than four hours during my 105 hours on the Colorado Trail. It's a combination of one-minute trail naps and longer attempts in the RV. And sometimes they happen by accident during a group sunrise photo. Weekend at Bernie's anyway. So she just passed out while she was doing this. Yeah. Go Less to. than ideal overall sleep time, but during the later days, the coughing and the wheezing preventing me from being able to fall asleep. Yeah. So sleep that game needs major work. Explain this whole thing this, that she was trying to accomplish. Right. Go to that one weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. So right here. So we stopped with the sun coming up to take a picture and she'd been going for 105 hours, which I, what is that? Over four days and slept for four hours. So we stopped to take a picture and she fell asleep. I mean, just passed out but right after this picture she's up running so that that other picture on the trail that i took with her and maggie um it's like a lot of people will look at this and they'll, they'll say what kind of a human wants to do this 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 was a three minute nap right here so it was going to be three minutes or maybe six minutes but something sun had just come up and incidentally i just seen a couple uh a big group of bucks in the dark about two hours earlier, about I think three in the morning. This is probably about five in the morning, but I laid my pack on her legs there and my coats on her legs. She's the closest one. Maggie's the second one who Maggie in her own right, she won the, uh, it's called Big's backyard ultra where they run four miles every hour for as long as you can do it, get four miles. <laughs> on. And she won it last year. Courtney, mm the year before was a first woman anyway. So these women are insane, but they took uh, three minute naps or a six minute nap right here, then back up. And that's resets your body. I mean, it reset. It's like a control alt delete. So before this, she Courtney was like so exhausted from all this. Maggie would ask a question and she'd answer barely audibly two minutes later. And so it was, it was me or Courtney, then me, then Maggie. And Maggie would say something to Courtney, nothing. Two minutes later, she'd like, I could barely hear it. She'd answer whatever Maggie said. Cause her brain was like, they said her, her blood her her oxygen level in her brain was at 70%, which that was because of the coughing and the lung issues and the high altitude and the dust and everything. So it just, her brain wasn't working. Like Let's explain could. what she was trying to do. Yeah, she was. Okay, she was trying to, the fastest known time to run the entire Colorado Trail from Durango to Denver is eight days and something like two hours, I think. She wanted to beat that by a day. So she was trying to run 490 miles 
from Durango to Denver with 90,000 feet of elevation gain total in seven days. And uh, to do that, I mean, it's a, you can't sleep is, I don't know. I don't know what the perfect answer is. She, uh, she was about 22 hours, I think at, at one point ahead of the record, but she ended up in the emergency room just because her, her, she pushed so hard. What I was going to say is animals will push. Look how how fucked up she looks. Yeah. She looks so tired. Yeah. Look at her eyes. I know. She just looks exhausted. Yeah. So that her pulse oxygen was 70, which it's supposed to be in the nineties. And if it's at 80 or 85, they say go immediately to the emergency room to the doctor and hers is at 70. So her brain just wasn't getting enough oxygen. And the doctor, I believe the doctor said that, because they said, well, what, what would happen if she keeps pushing? And he, he said, well, she'll die on the trail. So, Well, that's the problem with someone who's that tough. Yeah. Like, that's what I was going to say. They literally could push themselves to the point where their heart stops. And animals do that. We know that. A dog yeah. will push itself. A horse will push itself so hard that they will die. Not my dog. <laughs> no, your dog will. <laughs> I throw Some a ball dogs. from four yeah. or five times in a row, and yeah. he just he drops the ball and lays down. He's like, "Bro, we're done." <laughs> yeah, right. So some dogs. Yeah, my dog, like Cashwood, he's a lab, and all he wants to do, he'll they do that till he dies. Right. So and horses do that. Horses mm-hmm. die a lot, or not a lot, but horses die from pushing. So most humans have that self-preservation mode. Where I mean, most humans that like the hint of discomfort yes i'm out yeah (laughs) so but courtney has that where um i don't know well goals are interesting because goals are what force you to pass your comfort zone and go into this crazy level where you realize you're you're only tapping into a very small percentage of what your body's capable of. Mm-hmm. Like even Goggins, what is his quote? That most people quit at forty percent. Forty percent, yeah. Yeah, I think he's a hundred percent accurate there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm throwing percentages around here. Forty percent, hundred percent. It sounds good. But it, I mean, anybody knows he knows, right? Yeah. But it, there's there's a, a thing that you do when you tap into like when you have a goal when you say I'm going to run ten miles a day and I'm going to keep doing like mm-hmm. my friend Lex Friedman. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, uh, scientist, MIT. MIT guy, Yeah, uh, he was on the podcast last week. One of the things that he was talking about was, uh, he did this challenge where he ran, was it four miles every four hours for, that was, he did two challenges. Yeah. But that was the first one he did like, right. earlier in the year before it was four hours, four miles every four hours for 48 hours Yeah, or 40 miles or whatever it was. And just... <clears throat> talking about it i think goggins yeah goggins set that up yeah 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 Yeah, him and goggins are friends yeah okay and uh and then there was some crazy push-up sit-up pull-up challenge that they did as well Mm. and uh goggins said whatever you do i'm gonna do double (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is just a nice little mind fuck when you're you're falling apart and you realize that goggins is doing twice what you're doing but i love him there's something about a goal like that where you set it in motion and you realize Mm. you have to do it where it forces you out of your comfort zone, it forces you to realize what your body's actually capable of, which most people just never do. That's one of the great things about making someone compete. Like that's the great thing about training for a marathon or getting ready to do something is like when you have a goal and then mm-hmm. you actually, and then you're committed to the thing and you mm-hmm. actually have to go and do it then. And only then do you often find out what your body's actually capable. Yeah. Of. Yeah. And still, even, even during that goal 
or that performance, it's uh, it's really hard to push. I mean, push and give all you got. I remember my kids, I would say, I said, did you give all you got? Yeah. Go, well, I didn't see, you weren't throwing up. I didn't, you didn't throw up at the end. You know, it's like when you push, I, I don't even, I mean, it's not like I'm, I can say I do that every time either, but it's like, who really pushes with all they got? Well, and what is that line? Like, yeah. what's after that line? Do you die? I don't know. And would you be happy if you pushed so hard that you died? Like, well, this yeah. is a good way to die. Well, no, but then you know you gave your all. <laughs> <laughs> that's... But but isn't that, so that's what fascinates me yeah. with these people, with the, with the Goggins and, and Courtney and, and uh, um, you know, also in some respects, Emma is like, put, is like performing at this level and... It's just incredible to me. Yeah. It's like, so I want to know how can I take whatever mindset they have, apply it to myself and what I do. So that's all I've tried to do is like, I, and I've said a million times, I'm definitely not talented. I spend time around people who are the best at what they do and hoping a little bit, I can pick up a little bit, um, get that mindset like Goggins flips that switch. Courtney just has no switch. It's just, what is, is, what is talent? I want to know what that is. Like what, when you say you're not talented, because you're obviously very successful at both as a bow hunter, you're probably, I mean, if there's three top bow hunters on the planet earth, you're in that top. I don't know how many people are the, the best bow hunters on earth, but in my mind, you're, you're in that group. What is talent? Like if you're that good at bow hunting and I've seen you shoot targets 150 yards away and mm -hmm. shoot balloons. I mean, you've seen me do some ridiculous shit. You're obviously incredibly talented with a bow. Like what is talent? What does that mean to you when you say to, I'm not talented? Uh, to me, I, I always equate talent to physical, um, like performance, like say running a hundred meters or like jump. a freak athlete. Yeah. Okay. That, I, I equate talent to athleticism. Right. Like, uh, like a Mike Tyson or, uh, you know, um, Polo Costa. Yeah. Like some just freak athlete or runners. I mean, runners, runners there's right. like, they've, you know, we've Usain been Bolt. We've been running since the beginning of time. Right. If you're one of the fastest to humans to ever run, you have to be talented. That's yeah, that's talent. Yeah, there's things that people get that you are never going to get. Mm -hmm. Right? There's there's a certain amount of speed people can generate, a certain amount of power people can generate. Mm -hmm. There's things that people can do. But the kind of things that you're doing, it's not required it just requires mental strength. Mm -hmm. You're you're doing endurance runs where these long ass mind torture runs mm -hmm. they don't require that sprinting shit they just require that ability to keep going when you don't want to keep going right the ability to maintain a pace that's painful right yeah and it's and i've i've been i was talking to the because after my hunt in colorado i went and ran with courtney we did a fourteen thousand foot peak and then i ran with emma the next day and two totally different athletes courtney's you know the the eight, seven days, crazy. Emma's the 3000 meters. And I was talking to them both about pain because Courtney's pain isn't as intense, but it's for a long time, a week, you know, or days. Emma's pain. So for, she wants to break nine minutes in the steeplechase. She never has 902 is, is her best, I believe. And, uh, she'll have to break nine minutes probably to win the gold medal. What's a steeplechase? That's 3,000 meters, and it has the barrier, like the water barrier. So you jump over, you jump over barriers, and then there's a water barrier too. Have you ever seen seen them jump over? I don't think I've ever seen a steeplechase. Look, look up, Emma. Here it is. <clears throat> this is it right here. 
Yeah, that's oh, her. Oh, wow. So you that's jump her. over water. Damn, look how much air she gets. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah, so that's her. So it's like, so she's, she has nine minutes. And you, you can see her, like, there's a good video of her winning the world championships, Emma Coburn world championship. So the steeplechase thing, the water, you have to jump over the water? What if you land in the water? Yeah, they land in the water. That's okay? Yeah. Just slows you down? Um, they, they can't really clear that water, so they plan on, on running and landing in the water. What a weird thing to have a puddle in your run. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah, so, so see, so that's, right, and she's, she's taller than... Like those, uh, um, the other girls, oh, so they're usually from Ethiopia or Kenya. Um, what a weird event. You make them jump over a fence into a pond. Yeah. That's so bizarre. I never I knew this existed. No, How did I go like, this here, long? Here's no. another one. Yeah. So they, some don't have the water, like just have that barrier there. And I think there's four per lap. How many people eat shit jumping over that barrier? Where'd she go? She's in front, I think. Oh, look at her. Yeah. Hustle. Oh, I know. Look at them legs. Damn. She's yeah, got some she, length. She can. So anyway, so she's got nine minutes of pain. And I was asking her about, because there's always a decision. Like I watched her watch uh, run this mile race and she was kind of in back with about a lap to go. And there's always that decision like, do I want to go now and have it hurt really bad or just kind of, ah, it wasn't my day. Like, how do you decide to to deal with that pain? And so I was, that's what I was asking her about because that's what fascinates me. And what'd she say? She so there she did it nine nineteen. So she's got it down to nine oh two. Yeah, she's got nine oh two is her best now. God damn! I know. Look at all, all those ladies are beaten down at the end of that. That, <laughs> oh, that looks so, so exhausting, so painful. Yeah. So she's from this little town, Crested Butte in Colorado, and that's where I went and ran with her, and it's. Um, that's 10,000, 9,000 feet. What was her, um, her answer to that? To, to like the pain deciding she's just so she, like her, her brain is so focused in on that time, that nine minutes where it's just like, and so it's just, she knows that if she pushes now, it's only going to last this amount of time. You know, it's just, this is what she's got to do. This is how it works. She's been doing it her whole life. And so it's just push through so like if she's so regimented on time from doing track her whole life she'll like say well can you meet me at um 10 and then we can get coffee and till about 10 20 and then we'll go we should be able to get to the mountain by about 10 30 and then we can run and we should be done i mean like everything is like so regimented because her brain works like that so when she thinks about that pain i think she just knows that it's going to be the certain amount of time and then it's going to be over. And this is what she does. So it's it's different than, say, a Courtney, who's not going to, it won't be as intense. Because, you know, with sprinting, when you're exhausted, it just hurts. Right. There, it's so easy to be like, that's what I was asking her about. Because when I watched her run the mile, that's not her event. Her event is 3,000 meters, which, right. is, which is more than a mile. So I said, you could easily said, well, this isn't my event. Um you know, you've made that decision whether to go and pass all these other girls and win or just be like, this wasn't my night, this isn't my event, whatever. And just a little bit less. Oh, just a, so this decision on should I go or should I stay right here where it's comfortable, this feels good. I mean, it's still hard. It's still an effort, but it's not the pain like going. 
So you when you make the go. right, when you make this decision, oh, she almost went right there, but didn't see that. So when you make that decision, oh, this is I think this is a world championships. Yeah, this was that race we just watched, but this is the full race. No, so you hang back. No, knowing this, this is no, I don't. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, that was 2014. This is so watch this. She passes right here. This is a world championships. Going over this water, that girl in the middle didn't go over good. Emma did. Ooh. And right here, so she's turning it on. But now it's, you know, now the finish line is there. But see how controlled and, like, fluid she is? And this is so fast. God damn. And so she went on that crazy run with you and Courtney as well? No, 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 no. What they're, was she doing? They're two different athletes. Um, no, She didn't run that? Like, she was sleeping up there with you guys, right? No, didn't no, she no. she crash? No, that was Maggie. Oh, Maggie. Yeah, yeah. And she's... And she's an ultra... This is Emma Coburn. Emma. Emma, Emma, Maggie, those are such white girl names. I just conflate <laughs> them all together in my head. Yeah, no, Emma lives in Crested Butte. So I went, I met Courtney in Leadville. And that's, um, we ran uh, Mount Sherman, which is 14,000 feet. So I met her at four in the afternoon, Courtney and her husband, Kevin. And we did uh, this big 11 mile loop. And we did a 14,000 foot peak. And then I stayed there um, and at their house and then the next morning i got up and drove and met emma in crested butte which is another small town in colorado and it's high altitude and that's where that's where emma grew up and her parents live and so i met her there the next day and we ran i don't know shorter distance but she runs so much faster you know mm. five miles or whatever but for me running five miles at ten thousand feet with her at that pace it's like I mean, she's got some length too. Oh yeah. How tall is she? Uh, I would say five seven. But her long, her legs are so yeah, long. Yeah, and when she's running. She's she got that crazy long stride. Yeah, and running. She's run trails there at ten thousand or nine thousand feet, and it's just like that training. And to to go over those barriers, you have to be athletic. Yeah, like uh, it's a different explosive. She's move. more athletic than say the girls from Kenya. Right. They're smaller, they but they live. Kenya's high elevation too. So, but if Emma lives at the same elevation, has the same talent, um, fastest mile ever run on Colorado soil, running four thirty-two point yeah, seven. That's that's Damn, a, that's the one I that's, that's the one I watched. That's wow. where I said she was in. Yeah, she was in at the back, and then I said that decision you made to turn it on. No, that's not it. Oh, just a slow motion version of it. Oh yeah, I think this. Yeah, this was a couple years ago. They, she just she just broke that outside. Oh, so this is the indoor version of it, and then she broke. Yeah, it outside. yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I just was interested in how how that decision is made. Now, what when you talk to her about her training, how much of her training is just running, and how much of her training is like strength and conditioning? Does she do plyometrics? Does mm -hmm. she because she's got to not just run, she's got to jump over things. Yeah, she she runs every day. Usually, I think she runs about seventy or eighty miles a week when she's training, and so it'll be about you know ten miles a day, split up a couple times, and then she'll lift, I believe, three times a week. And so we lift it together too, and it's just. You know, um, yeah, she, I mean, she's she's strong, definitely strong. Oh, you have to be. Yeah. You could see it in her legs, like in the fact that she's able to get over those hurdles while she's in the middle of this crazy run. Yeah, yeah. Whew. Well, a, a 430 mile, 
fast. There's something also so crazy about your goal in life, like what you do, the thing that you concentrate on the most is your physical body. Mm -hmm. Like you're banking on this, you're banking on your tissue. Who, is humans? Or? Yeah, yeah, any human that does that. Yeah, Whether yeah. you're a fighter or a baseball player right. or a runner, there's something crazy about banking on your body. You know, like I always, when I look at professional athletes in particular, I'm always like, ooh, like, boy, anything can go wrong. Yeah. Like, and then it takes forever to fix. It's not yeah. like you, you blow out a tire. You go to the car shop and you, you know, you go to the tire place, you get a new tire. Yeah. That's, you blow out a knee. That's been the only secret to any success I've had is that longevity. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people who've been better than me for short spans. But if you can just keep doing it, keep grinding, keep grinding, keep hammering. <laughs> I don't care what it is. You're yeah. going to get good. Yeah. That is the case. What, how do you, how do you avoid injuries? Because you train so much. Mm. I don't, I mean, I get massage and, um, you do yeah. those Norma tech boots. Still yeah. Doing that? I got those. Yeah. Thank you. you I sent, sent you those. You yeah. sent those to me. Those yeah. things are the shit. Yeah. The, uh, hypervolt, the hammer mm -hmm. with the ball on it that massage. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do that with, uh, Eric comes over about three times a week. You know, you trained with Eric too yep. and goes through, breaks down my hamstrings and calves and, and, uh, hips is especially so um, dude i had a lady that was giving me a massage mm -hmm. and uh i had a, a theragun and uh, i wound up just having her just use the theragun like she was giving me a massage and it was great and everything but there was this like one spot in my back mm. and i was like just try this for a second She's and that great. worked yeah man yeah. like half the massage session was just her jackhammering me just yeah. working me with that and it was more effective than anything because you could do something with those things where you can push all the weight in like mm -hmm. a massage but it's doing something that yeah. you're not going to be able to do with your hands right there's this girl who does my massage her name's aaron she is so amazing i mean i can say something that's bothering me she can go like feel my leg go right to it and just feel mm, it she just knows where the knots yeah. are and then she'll do something else on some other side or some other place and it's like I've never, I've had a lot of massages. Definitely there's, just like we say, there's levels to everything. Yeah. She's amazing. I mean. Some people just understand bodies. They're intuitive. Like they know yeah. where you're tight, where you have mm -hmm. strain. Like, did you pull your hamstring? Did you do this? Yeah. Like, do you have something going on with your back? Like, yeah. what do you mean? Like, this side is tight. So it's probably, you're probably compensating mm -hmm. for something that's on the other side. Then, you, Yeah. Yeah. So the, I mean, the only way you're going to over you know, 10, 20, 30 years to continue to do it is for maintenance is, yeah. is taking care of your body. Um, you say it is tissue, it is muscle, it is have joints and ligaments. Um, if those, something happens to those, you're training. Then You've never even had any operations, have mm -hmm. you? That's bananas. No. I've had a bunch. Mm -hmm. I'm amazed. Well. How do you, how are your knees okay? That's the other thing. How the I fuck are your knees okay? I don't know. People ask me that all the time. I was like, how do you answer that? I mean, you, have you gotten an MRI? You don't have any meniscus problems, nothing? No. That's bananas. No, I mean, it's... You're my age. Yeah. You've been running forever. Mm-hmm. You don't have any meniscus. I have all fucked up meniscus. <laughs> but you also did a sport that was hard on your knees. Yeah. Right. But running isn't? I, You know, everybody's different. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe I have good genetics. Yeah, you obviously must. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was pretty good with my right knee until like I, I heard it in a kicking contest with joe Schilling. i tore uh, my meniscus like a, a year ago like a moron at the old studio yeah kicking that thing that yeah, machine we had yeah. a, the registers how hard you kick. yeah you did yeah. it then with with jeans on i know yeah. i remember seeing the video yeah no warm up 
52 years old, <laughs> slamming into that thing full clip as oh, hard as I can. Yeah. But that that's a problem when something shows you a number. Yeah. Bing, oh, I know. Bing, it's immeasurable. Like, and you just wind up. It's immeasurable. But to wind up like that, if I was coaching someone, I'd say, stop. You got to warm up. Let's jump rope. Let's get a sweat. Yeah. Let's get going. Stretch out a little bit. Yeah. And let's start slow. Like when I work out on a normal day, I never. I don't just walk up to a heavy bag and full blast start kicking yeah. it. I build up. But you haven't can't have a contest with Joe Schilling and say, "Hold on, let me warm up." Exactly. First. <laughs> he's he's too much of a hard man. Yeah. I had to, we had to step up. Yeah. Yeah. And tear your knee. Yeah, my knee's still fucked up. Is I it? mean, it's not fucked up to the point where I can't do things. Like I can still kick. Yeah. I can still run. I can still do all those things, but I feel it. Where I didn't used to feel it before. Mm -hmm. But that's why I'm amazed that you don't have any of these kind of injuries. No. I don't know. You had a, I remember you had a fucked up foot at one yeah. point in time. Oh, I, I have a, I mean, I, there's injuries, there's being hurt and being injured. You yeah. know, I hurt all the time. I right. hurt every day, but I haven't been injured. Mm. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. Are you taking CBD at all? Yeah, sometimes. Dude, yeah. I was getting uh, arthritis in my toes. Mm. Yeah. And did it help? My big toes. Yeah. My big toes, like at the joint where my foot meets my be. big toe. It was very annoying. Yeah. And it's from kicking, you know, just from, because oh. you're always like pushing off. Oh, right. Pushing yeah. Off, pushing off. Yeah. And my, my toes just got so tired of me doing mm. that and they were getting sore. And then uh, I started doubling and tripling down on cbd particularly oh. like cbd gummies that's my new trick because it's it's like i'm eating candy oh those uh cbd md gummies are like 1500 milligrams i just chuck like fucking 10 of them down at Do a time they have the thc in them no none oh, zero really? zero high at all mm. but it, it killed it like whatever like i was like god damn it am i gonna have to get some i was thinking i was gonna have to get prp or something done to my my yeah. big toe and that helped it killed it I don't have any problem with it all. Now it's whatever it was, it was gone away. Dave Foley told me the same thing. Mm. Dave Foley told me he was getting serious arthritis in his hands where his hands were like this. He couldn't open up his fingers. Mm -hmm. Started taking CBD on a daily basis. And then now his hands are fully functional. Mm. Like whatever it was, he stopped in his tracks. It's just inflammation. You yeah, know? right. Hmm. Yeah, I saw... Well, when Trump and Biden get here, you're going to do the DMT question, right? Oh, well, I'm going to get them high first. Both of them are going to get high. We're going to do <laughs> mushrooms. I'm going to bring in a shaman. There was that Babylon Bee that I showed you today. Yeah. <laughs> they did have a, a thing that said, like, Trump was on here for an epic seven-hour interview with Rogan and uh, said... <laughs> had the best marijuana possibly he's ever had it was like <clears throat> tremendous or you know how trump has yeah. these same but yeah it was so funny amazing amazing pot can you imagine <laughs> getting that guy high <laughs> i don't he doesn't even drink no does he i don't think so oh this is, is it yeah that's see it. that's the picture that's a great picture <laughs> it is but what was the caption jamie can you find that what did it say oh my god it's hilarious yeah li to lively seven hour interview with joe rogan imagine <clears throat> yeah yeah. Imagine how many votes he would win if he did that. Well, I bet a lot. I bet he'd lose a lot too. Yeah. He'd be like, "What is happening? You need some more of that? I'll have uh, uh, I don't know. Want there, some more coffee? There might be a little bit. We can get some more. Okay. Put the order in. <laughs> um, yeah, that guy. He's not. He's not taking anything, but perhaps a, a few uppers to help put speeches. You yeah. see, with the the Biden thing, he um, Trump said he wanted to do a, a drug test. Before debates, really? Yeah. No. What? Yeah. What does he think Biden's on? Oh, they got him hopped up on something. Really? Yeah. If you're that tired, 
Yeah. I guarantee you they're doing something with him. He, him talking. Oh my God. It's just, it's painful. I mean, it's like, I feel embarrassed. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. It's sad. And, and then there's the tremendous pressure mm-hmm. that's involved in that job. Yeah. I, mean, I couldn't imagine. No. I mean, not being at your best. No. That's what I've always, I mean, I've always been, I, I just don't get how there's these people have been in politics for 50 years. And I'm like, okay, good job. Thank you. You did it. You served whoever. But isn't there somebody better? I mean, smarter, younger, like more energized. Why do we have these 80 year old guys? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, there's got, I, there's got to be. People who are just like on the top of their game. You can't be at the top of your game when you're 80. You got to wonder like what it is, what it is with the powers that be that decided to go with him. Did they think that he's a known, a known name, a former vice president? So that, that brings him to, but there was obviously some shenanigans because they were really worried about Bernie Sanders taking the nomination. They were really worried that he was going to enact some radical change to the democratic party. And they, they were not looking forward to that at all. So yeah. You know, they stepped in, got Mayor Pete and Amy Klobuchar and all those other people to back out, and to, yeah. to back down. And then all the delegates went to Biden and then Biden winds up being the guy and you f- almost feel bad for the guy. Yeah. I mean, that can't be our best option for running. I mean, so whoever wins, you want to feel confident. Yeah. You know? And I know people on the other side of where I, I am don't feel confident in Trump. I think Trump. they're banking on Harris. They're banking on people saying, well, she's young and healthy. She'll take over. She is young. I mean, so it goes to that point of being young and, you know, energetic. But, um, yeah, I mean, she's kept a lot of people in jail. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I Man, politics. I what a mess. It's gross. <laughs> it's gross. And I don't know what the best way to do it is. You know, I think our founding fathers had some pretty brilliant ideas. How were they so dialed in so long ago? It's amazing. To know they write this constitution not to protect not to protect the government from the people, the people from the government from yeah. from o- overstepping. How did they know? I mean, maybe because it was the king and queen and Yeah, I think they saw just I mean, people had an understanding of psychology back then of just human beings and mm-hmm. just the natural tendency of people to abuse power and to yeah. abuse influence. And I think they just came out with a really brilliant way to sort of have checks and balances to keep that from getting completely out of hand. Yeah. It's amazing. It really it is. is amazing. If you stop and think about that, you know, and how old does, um, there's this, um, young man, Madison Cawthorn. He has, I think he's like the, I don't know. I can't remember what seat he won, but one of the youngest to ever win an election. I think it's in North Carolina. But he mentioned something about the age of um, man who was Jefferson. Yeah, like how old were they? they? Well, people didn't live that long. I back know, then. but they got like toothaches and died. Right? Wasn't <laughs> were they in their twenties? I wonder. Let's let's uh, Google how old was Thomas Jefferson when he uh, drafted the Declaration of Independence. Uh, yeah. How old yes. do you think he is? In this close to 40 i believe close to 40 still pretty amazing yeah or maybe you know maybe what if I, you go back and you actually look at him and he looks exactly like jared kushner wait <laughs> everybody does it's him oh, hold on a second uh in age in 1776 thomas jefferson was 33 wow so young um, and fucking smart as shit yeah i mean i think some of the guys were in their 20s 40 53 46 39 35 
70 years old. Who's 75, 70? Uh, Benjamin Franklin. Wow. Holy shit. He had to be eating wild game meat. Yeah, for sure. He's a 30-year-old. Well, he got electrocuted a bunch of times, right? 26. He had a kite. Was a 26-year-old lawyer. <laughs> Who was 26? Jared Kushner. Thomas Lynch Jr. from <laughs> South Carolina. Okay, see? He I died mean, three years later. He right. died three years later. Yeah, the stress of coming up with that fucking information. No, he, a 26-year-old from South Carolina, lawyer, plantation owner. No, he had COVID. No, he Edward had Edward Rutledge. Wow. That's well, no, two they, they're counting his death as COVID, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is really amazing at how smart they were. Yeah. But, you know, when you read, like, uh, letters from... So like the Civil War era, mm -hmm. if you read letters back home, like the way people wrote back then was so eloquent. Yeah, at least the ones that you obviously there's probably right. some morons that wrote some fucking scribbles too. Yeah, but there were there were some letters that were written back then where the prose is so it's so elegant, it's so yeah. well written, so yeah. so beautifully crafted. These these letters that they would write. I know. And you you get to read them. You go, well, what what is happening between then and now? I'd like to get letters like that. I mean, that would be. <laughs> You'd feel special if you had a letter like that. God, I know. The way they communicated back then was just different. Do you, Our, do you think people would have spiced up how they wrote just in case someone they know it wasn't going to be personal correspondence? They want, would want people to think they're dumb, so they would add in some. They'd like. Spice but it the up problem or, is when a dummy writes things and tries to make them seem smart. Have you ever gotten an email from someone that's dumb that tries to be smart? They just would have someone else write it for them back then. Like, hey, I can't write this, but write a letter to my girlfriend, make it sound good. Yeah. Tell her I miss her. Send it off. Perhaps. I'm just wide of wondering because people do that now. Yeah. Yeah. They do. They have so ghost would, would riders. They have done it back then. They're a little more. We're a little more diabolical now, though. I wonder if there was like a market for ghost riders back then for letters back home. Had to be because there's only so many people that could write. I don't know about that. I don't know. I'm just. I don't saying, know about like, that. Or even the ex ex access to the tools to write and but a quill feather to make it look good. Mm, I wonder. Paper. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Wonder, I, just wonder. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think people were, It's a, it was a harder time. And during harder times, people are more disciplined. And people that are more disciplined probably are more, they're harder on their children about learning and grades. Mm -hmm. This probably wasn't so flippant because it's like the consequences of not succeeding in life back then were literal starvation. It was, yeah. it was a different time. And I think when you, you have those consequences, you have, you develop stronger people. You develop mm -hmm. people with, they just they don't have any room for error there's no you know you, you can't you can't fuck off no you won't make it no i know it's uh yeah pretty amazing to think that we're still going by the doctrine they came up with amazing you know and it's, it's the best one we have like no one's come up with a better doctrine you, where is your pocket didn't tim yes, kennedy did. give you a pocket it's at home i have it framed you don't have no. it with you no it's what is it in my pocket it's gonna get like yeah, dumb you, on it and you shit need to reference it it'll get scratched up a, a pen will leak on it i can't have that <laughs> okay i need it i thought home. that was a good gift and he gave you yeah. a gun that's cool yeah jamie's been shooting everybody that's all he does now <laughs> well that's what people <laughs> with guns do <laughs> That's what I've been hearing. This is open Joe Biden's season. gonna put a stop to that. Oh my god! Well, he, I was watching some video where he was talking about making um, gun manufacturers responsible for shootings. It was the weirdest analogy that he was drawing, and and then he went on and erroneously said that uh, guns kill 150 million people a year. Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, what? Yeah, that's a, or 150 million people since a certain amount of time. That doesn't make any sense at all. But the thing that he was saying was that imagine if drug companies weren't responsible for people dying of drugs. Well, hey, Joe, they're not. Yeah. I don't know if you know that. 
<laughs> but they're not. It was, I mean, do you know how many people die every year from drug overdoses? I don't. How many? A lot. How yeah. many people are going to jail for that? Yeah. Is there any? Nobody. Are these drug companies really responsible for that? Are they really being held accountable? Yeah. I don't not think the they are. Maybe occasionally. The, maybe the street dealers going to jail. Yeah. Well, occasionally drug companies get in trouble. Yeah. You know, like Never for opioid deaths and or for misrepresenting mm. the dangers of the addictions to opioids or some of their drugs. That's true. Sometimes they get fined yeah. and they get in trouble. But what he was saying was really weird. It's mm. like people say things just because they think that people want to hear solutions. Like, hey, there's all these guns and shooting. Yeah. Someone better do something. You know, and then someone will come along and say something like that, like guns are responsible for 150 million people every year. And, and like, here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. 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 I know. Do you remember when he got uh, confronted by that guy at a um, at a uh, auto factory? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. And the guy was like, you're, you're trying to take away Didn't guns. did he cuss like, him you're out? You're full of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he cussed <laughs> him out. You got old grandpa on him. Well, that's a problem with, with, you know, how, so when you get old, you know, I'm not, I don't want to talk shit about old people but you can't think you're just not at your best so what happens what i see and maybe he has dementia maybe not but those guys get they're cranky they yeah. get mad they can't think of what they want to say fast enough so instead they just get mad yeah and that's what it seems like he does yeah he like lashes out and comes up you're full of shit yeah well i think you dog also... face pony soldier did you see that one yeah, that was a good one too <laughs> what is i don't even know what that is you're a lion dog face pony soldier that's a great thing to say to someone <laughs> If I, this is the first time I've ever heard it. Should be a good band. Yeah. Dog Face Pony Soldier. That would be a good band. Good name for a band. Like a weird funk band. Yeah. Dog Face Pony Soldier. I like it. Yeah, I could see them in Coachella. Yeah. It's a thing that uh, you know, what you know, when he's when he gets mad like that too, it's almost like it's a it's a tough guy thing too. It's like he's around all these hard men that are working in the factory yeah. and he's like, You're full of shit. I'll show you guys. I'm God. a fucking man. It reminded me of uh, Floyd Mayweather, and he knocked out Victor Ortiz when they were kissing or whatever they did. But Jim Gray, Kissing. not well. Remember? Victor Ortiz headbutted him. I know, but then and they then, made then they made up. And no, it was, Victor Ortiz went to make up with Floyd Mayweather. They did. Floyd Mayweather was like, yeah, 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 okay, boom. Yeah, and he, and but then, it wasn't Jim Gray. It was a, it was an older. God, what's his name? Larry Merchant? Yes, Larry Merchant. And Larry Merchant said that if he was 50 years younger, he'd kick Floyd's ass. Oh, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, no, you wouldn't have. No, you wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> but it reminded me of he got mad and then he was just going to kick his ass. But what a crazy thing to say to literally the one best. of the greatest <laughs> boxers that's yes. ever put on gloves. Yeah. I mean, you can make an argument who the greatest boxer of all time is, but yeah. you better have Floyd Mayweather in that He's going to be in there. He's and, in that argument. And probably if you're holding a microphone, you probably weren't ever going to kick his ass. No. What's up with the, uh, the Mayweather fighting Logan Paul? You see this? Yes. I'm yeah. sure. Yes. Well, Logan Paul well, I got wants Logan to make some Paul money. in that fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I, sh I will tell you. Logan Paul is a really good athlete, and yeah. he's an enormous man. Now, right. if it was an MMA fight, I would pick Logan Paul. Well, Logan, Listen he, to me. There's a video of Logan Paul wrestling with Paulo Costa. It's a real live wrestling like live wrestling sparring session where he is exhibiting real skill. He knows how to scramble. He's got real wrestling skill. And he I know he wrestled in wrestled high in school. I think he wrestled in college as well. Oh, did he? Okay. No, no didn't? Just in high, high school? school? But he was good though, right? Did he go to college? He went to OU. 
He did wrestle? The biggest party school in the country. I yeah. just parted? Yeah. So he's from Ohio, right? How, that, how, that's wh- why you know Ohio. That's why I know, yeah. yeah. I mean, he knows know everything Ohio. Ohio. So. How good was he in high school? Uh, I you. remember hearing, I don't know if he won state, but I'll, I'll check that real quick. Either way. Yeah. Him with Paulo Costa. Paulo is uh, the UFC's number one contender in the middleweight division. And He's the most a, beautiful man in the UFC. Perfect specimen of, of a man. And a wrecking machine. Yeah. Just a fucking wrecking machine. Yeah. And the two of those guys are, they're, they're doing a wrestling drill and sparring. And Logan Paul is hanging in yeah. there, man, yeah. with an elite MMA, you know, world championship caliber fighter. A guy who, like, Went to war with Yoel Romero and walked him down. Right. I mean, Paulo Costa is a monster. Yeah. He's a mon- and Logan Paul is hanging in there. Yeah. I and mean, I don't care what anybody says. Like that what what I saw in that, I'm like, that kid is impressive. Yeah. No, he's gotta be six one. Uh, he might actually did let's see one. He joined the wrestling team. This says Ohio State in Athens, which is not just OU. So he might have joined the team. I don't know if he I don't know if he had a record if he performed with them or if he just Okay, so he did team. a little bit of wrestling in college, but he wrestled in high school as well. Yeah. Either way, he's a he's, bi- he's, he's a big a, dude. He's a big dude, and he's a real athlete. And one of the things that I saw, you know, I know he lost his boxing match. They had a draw the first time that he lost the second time. Mm-hmm. But when I'm seeing him throw punches, like he's yeah. very athletic. He yeah. throws punches with good technique, you know. But obviously, the other kid that he boxed with did as well. But there's such a difference between that and Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah. The only thing is that Floyd is so much smaller than him. Yeah, he's got to be compared to Logan tiny. That's why I say I got the Logan's one, a big guy. I got the one punch Logan KO. Oh my god, that's so hilarious! <laughs> Could you imagine if he did? Oh, Could you god. imagine if he clips Floyd Mayweather in a temple and you see Floyd Mayweather doing oh, a chicken dance? Imagine what the crowd would do. Imagine if what there anybody would, would do. Would, would be a crowd. Yeah, yeah. but um, I mean, I wonder when they're going to be able to have it. Let's do it in China or some shit. Yeah. I mean, fuck it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just pretty impressed with how Logan Paul has, has for a young kid, has made so much money. And, yeah, just and, talking a lot of shit. And turn these these opportunities to fight, fight Floyd? What? I know. But the thing about it is, like, who's going to sanction that? The weight classes are so different. Yeah. Floyd could be is, 50 pounds different. It could be 50 pounds plus. Yeah. It could be more. I don't yeah. I don't think Floyd's walks around at more than 155 pounds. Probably 100, not. Maybe 160 at yeah. the most. Yeah. You know, and when he's in shape, you know, yeah. less than that probably. But the, here's the crazy thing. I'll watch the shit out of that. I'll watch the shit out of it too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody will. What were we talking about? Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. Yeah. Like a lot of people are like, what, is, what are we doing? What is happening here? Yeah. I like the fact that they decided not to do it September 12th, so it already would have happened. Yeah. They decided to extend it deep into November, give everybody a chance to like really train and ramp yeah. up the promotion and let everybody know. And mm-hmm. and it's more and more exciting every day. Roy Jones Jr. was posting some shit on his Instagram. Yeah. Dude, he's still got some hand really? speed. Yeah. yeah. See if you can find that. And he he's coming in here soon. See so if you can find. I was find... looking for Logan Paul wrestling coast, and all I'm finding them is like play sparring yeah there's a little bit of boxing play sparring but there's a a bunch of wrestling scrambling in there that's really impressive not in the video i saw and it's on his vlog i'm telling you it's real i know i know i'm looking you have to do another retraction no no no, i'm just looking like i might have to i apologize i lied about (laughs) logan paul wrestling (laughs) just doing it in advance that that fight for everything yeah just in case that fight is going to be one of the most ridiculous things ever though if you can get a youtube star to to box 
the Our, literal best boxer yeah, of the last 100 years. of all years. time. Never lost. <laughs> yeah. 15-0. So, yeah, but back it up before that. Yeah, let them let scramble. The jiu-jitsu train. Okay, so this is just jiu-jitsu training. They're, uh, they're rolling around the mat, but they do some uh, scrambles. See, I don't know how much uh, Logan has trained jujitsu, hey, but hey. watch, oh, watch the wrestling. Watch this, though. Seriously. The kid can wrestle. Like, oh. come on. They're not showing it? What kind of horse shit is this? Is this uh, because they want him to look good? They want... I don't know. Oh, God damn it. I know it's there. Hey, there, what about the full? Oh, no. What do we got? Come on. Show me some shit. That's it? Mm. Well, it exists. It's somewhere. Hmm. So oh. he they, they did a lot of sparring, like boxing sparring for sure. Yeah. yeah. This is just showing. Let it go right here. Let's see what happens here. Come on, Logan. <laughs> Show me some wrestling, bro. This. It's amazing that Paul Costa can make 185 pounds. Yeah. That's what's amazing. He's the dude walks jacked. around at 230 and he's a tank. Oh, I mean, this- yeah, he could be a heavy two thirty close to the same oh, weight yeah. class. I yeah, guess, yeah, yeah. At least there, close, similar. Is he six oh, two? Not... I swear it's real. <laughs> I swear it's not like the Antifa guys lighting fires in Portland. It's real. Uh, they did the, See, you but find it. the getting arrested part. Maybe I'll find it. Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, there's videos of him wrestling from like high school, but oh no, he's there's no videos of him wrestling Paulo Costa. That's the, no, that I've video seen right it. there was the best I could find. Oh, fuck I'm looking in harder, but son of a bitch. Jamie, come on. Jamie's punishing me for the Portland thing. I'm not. Yeah. So there's this video of him saying it's getting knocked out, but that was 100% that's staged. Yeah, and like, that's yeah. 100% fake. Yeah. Well, he's smart. He's getting a lot of attention. I just think he's going to be whiffing at air. He's, he's oh, yeah. How would you Floyd ever Mayweather. hit Floyd? But yeah. if he if that one connects, that's what I got my money on. That would be so bananas. I know. Imagine if Floyd goes Logan's 50 jacked, and one dude. because he gets KO'd by Logan Paul. He's jacked. I mean, he yeah. works out hard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super nice and kid, too. He's training with Shannon the Cannon Briggs. Is he? Shannon the Cannon, at least he was mm. before that last fight that he did. Yeah. Shannon the Cannon was training with him. Yeah. Well, and he he hunts, so that's good. Does he? Yeah. Where does he hunt? He hunted in Ohio before. What do you, like, whitetail? Deer, yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, his dad, because um, I went and did his podcast, took him a bow, and and we shot, and yeah, I mean, he's... people got upset that you did his podcast. <laughs> Hunters, yeah. What? That's weird. Uh, the hunting industry is. Uh, that's weird. First of all, for a lot of people, that there's a hunting industry. Yeah, yeah, right? there is. Because that's what social media has done. It's created like that's an why industry. I'm here. Him and his the brother, and I think the dad sharing hunting stories. Yeah. Oh, so, interesting. You can find that, but you can't find the fucking wrestling footage. Yeah, well, I, I see. Hey, I see. It's not. Oh, I see. That's not how it works. I get it. Yeah. Well, who's going to win Tyson uh, Jones? I do not want to say because I do not know. But see if you can can find uh, Roy Jones Jr. training footage. And then. He's put up some new stuff, uh, I think, yesterday or the day before that's pretty legit. And then you know what we're going to get? We're going to get Tyson Logan Paul. Oh, my God. That would be a murder murder scene. <laughs> so three this, days ago, I think. He's still got hand speed. Yeah. But he's still got the same style, like hands down. Yeah. Look, dude, he looks fast as fuck, though. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I mean, I wonder what he's going to weigh. 
I mean, god damn, dude. Yeah. His hand speed is phenomenal. Yeah, that's always look been at his, that. His thing has been speed, right? Not just hand speed, but foot speed as well. Roy's always been. Uh, he's had a he had a weird style when he was young, which is one of the reasons why when he slowed down, it was very difficult for him to be successful mm. because Roy would instead of jab people, he would leap in with a left hook. Yeah, he had a crazy left hook, like man. a like a hook kind of yeah. like a weird hook. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and he used that in in lieu of a jab sometimes, like mm -hmm. a lot of times. Mm -hmm. He and he did crazy shit like put his hands behind his back and then knock people out. Yeah. He was so good when he was young. People yeah. like that song he made, y'all must have forgot. Yeah. A lot of people did forget. Yeah, for sure. I was I remember, man, when I was a, you know, younger man and Roy Jones Jr was in his prime, you would just see who's getting executed this week. Yeah. You know, and he one time he had a fight the day he had a full basketball game. So he had a full basketball game, played like he played like uh, semi pro basketball. Mm -hmm. And then after the basketball game, had a fight. Wow. And won the fight. People are like, yeah. this is disrespectful. Like, this is the Roy Jones Jr. highlight. Oh. I mean, come on, son. He was so fast. Look at this. That fight with Vinny Pazienza, that was the only fight that CompuBox ever scored where there was no punches landed on Roy for an entire round. Really? Yeah. He had oh. a weird body, man. God, like, look at that. Incredible. But look how weird his body is. Like, he has enormous biceps. Yeah. Like, his biceps were huge, but he didn't have big triceps. Oh. He, he had a really unusual oh build. Look at his biceps. Bro, his biceps oh, yeah. were bananas. Jack. They're bananas. And he had just preposterous speed and timing oh, and no, that, confidence that, that would hurt and everything. so bad right oh, there. Yeah. Look, Look at, at this guy. Oh. He, he lit people on fire and pissed yeah. on their graves. Yeah. It was on uh, just incredible. That would be, you know how terrible it would be to fight somebody like that? Oh, man. Well, in his prime, he was so much better than everybody he was mm. fighting. It was just this weird... Like, and people were like... Oh, Roy didn't fight anyone good. I'm like, d incorrect. Yeah. They were good. They just weren't Roy Jones Jr. Right. Roy Jones Jr. was on a totally different level for years. The thing is, like, a fighter can only maintain that kind of RPM, that fucking yeah. that RPMs that he was at. You can only maintain that for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so Fedor did it for a long time. Anderson Silva did it for a long time. Mm -hmm. The guys who are like at the very, very best, they can only hold on to it for a certain amount of years. Yeah. And then the knees go, the back goes, the joints go, the hands break, things just, you that's, know. Yeah. But that's, isn't it kind of conventional wisdom that the power can stay, though? Oh, yeah. So that's what, yeah. like with Tyson, I mean, he looks fast there. I'll say Jones looks fast. Oh, I found it for you. Oh, here it is. Oh, look at this. Look it's at that. 15 yeah, look at this. Deep on Reddit. Yeah, but See? dude, but look at the scrambles, man. The kid can fucking wrestle. Yeah. Like, seriously, legit. Oh, man. Look at these scrambles. Like, watch this. See that turnaround, that duck under? Look at this. And Paulo Costa's a beast, dude. Jeez. Just the scramble, the way he's spinning around and, and avoiding the yeah, takedown. That's athletic. Yes. Very athletic. Thank you, Jamie. Okay. Thank you. I knew it was Retract real. Now, retraction. find me some Antifa guys lighting <laughs> forest fires, and we're good. <laughs> He's a, he's a real athlete. Yeah. Know? And he's a big kid. Yeah. Yeah. But Floyd Mayweather. That was impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. So it was an MMA fight. Floyd would be fucked. Yeah. He would get sure. taken down and smashed for, mm -hmm. for sure. 100% bet the house. Yeah. But it's not an MMA fight. It's a boxing match. And Floyd's the best of all time. One punch. <laughs> Good luck. One punch. <laughs> get out of here with that shit. <laughs>
I just wonder if Roy Jones Jr. is going to be able to avoid Mike Tyson's the bum rush. Yeah. And avoid that that style of that marauding attacking style. Because obviously, when you see the Tyson training footage, he's still got that speed. Yeah. And he's still got that power. power. He hits those mitts. It's still terrifying. Yeah. You know, I don't. I just. I don't want to see him get get hit by those Tyson no. hooks. If it's going to be. I mean, if that happens, it'll be in the first minute or two. And the weird thing is, like, some people are saying that it's not a fight. They're, like, saying, well, it's just going to be a sparring match. I'm like, you better tell that to Tyson. Because no. I'll tell the story that I was telling you. Yeah. This new studio, there's a certain distance. This, uh, this table is a certain width. And this like is the exact same feet, width. Four feet? I don't remember what it is. I don't remember how many inches it is. Yeah. But this is the exact same width of the old table, the old studio. Yeah. But when we moved to this new place, I'm like, maybe it'd be better if it was like a little more intimate. I have a table with that's like a little smaller. Mm-hmm. And then I did the interview with Tyson. Yeah. And he was so... See, I had two interviews with Tyson. One from like 11 months ago or 10 months ago where he was like smoking weed he's opening a ranch he's got this weed ranch he's like yeah. super chill and he's introspective and philosophical and he's talking yeah. about his past and all his mistakes and how weed makes him a nicer person how he likes himself on weed and, and you how, felt comfortable with that distance oh my god it right? was great it was perfect conversation i really enjoyed it and then <laughs> the next time was when he's fit and tr- I mean, slim down, dude. You know these weird muscles that you have at the top yeah. of your form. It's like he had a golf ball shoved under his skin. He just yeah. like jacked, yeah, and ready to different go. Different mindset. Then he felt different to be around, man. Mm. He was so keyed up. I mean, he's in the middle of training camp. Yeah, and and he was just super intense. Different person. Super. And then when he started talking about how it felt orgasmic to hurt people sometimes, and I'm like, I think I need a wider table. And Trump sent studio. that out. Yeah, Trump put that. On his Twitter with no comment, no context, yeah. just posted that about well, Mike Tyson. I guess he saying thought it was interesting. But what? How can what? <laughs> imagine, imagine you're the leader of the free world. Yeah. And you go posting shit about how it feels like you want to come when you're you're beating people up. <laughs> you it play, makes sense. And it's Mike Tyson talking about it too. And he's like, oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah. I like I'm it. Gonna repost this. Yeah. Yeah, but, but so that made me decide to widen this table. Because like, he, if I was a little was closer to him, like so if we intense. were like this close, I might be nervous. It might affect my ability yeah. to do the Those conversation. A couple inches, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Extra, what is it? Six extra inches, Jamie? That we widen the table? <laughs> yeah, directly because of Mike Tyson interview. I was like, yeah. yikes. <laughs> so yeah, so he's. I think they call that the eye of the tiger. Yeah. Oh yeah, the eye of the tiger. He's ready. <laughs> he's ready. Oh man. Um, but the thing is, like. What what happens if Roy can move away from him? What happens if Roy could avoid avoid the attack? And how are they going to treat this? Are they are they going to treat it like a sparring session, or are they going to treat it like war? That's what uh, originally the reports were saying. It was not going to be a full out fight. But I don't. If Tyson's looking that intimidation intimidating, can he scale it back? I don't even think he knows what that means. What yeah. does that mean? I don't know. I just, I can't imagine he's going to scale it back. Yeah. And Roy Jones Jr. was saying something recently, like he thinks he might have made a mistake. Yeah. I would think that too. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if he's being serious. Or he probably watched around. the interview with Tyson 11 months ago and thought that, oh, I'll fight this guy. This guy's cool. <laughs> if you watch this recent one, that's when he thought, I think I made a mistake. Maybe. But the fact that he would say that, I can't imagine he's being serious. 
Yeah. Or unless he wants to make a lot of money. And he's like, you know, this is the way It'll to... make... Isn't it crazy how Tyson, he's can make money for how long has it been? You know, his 85 is when he first broke in. So how many years is this? I know. I mean, it's been, it's been a fucking while and he's still Tyson. I think the last time he fought was in the... I want to say the early 2000s like 2005 maybe mm, i can't i he just know was, when he first came up is like 85 because mm -hmm. i was a, i think i was a junior or senior or something like that but yeah 35 years ago i remember when he was on the cover of sports illustrated he was 19 years old said kid dynamite yeah and it was him at 19 years I know. old the most exciting heavyweight prospect dude yeah. when tyson would fight it was an event it was an execution yeah you'd watch people get executed yeah i remember i watched the fight um, where he lost to Buster Douglas after I knew the result. Oh. And I still didn't believe it. I was yeah. like, he's going to get up. He's going to knock him out. Like, this is yeah, this is Mike Tyson. He can't lose. I was at some duplex. And I remember him when he was on his hands and knees looking for his mouthpiece. I was like, what is going on? The world has gone crazy. It's yeah. gone haywire. Yeah. yeah. It didn't seem real. No. That was crazy. No, he, uh, I can't imagine he's going to dial it back. Mm-mm. What, what are, see if you could find Roy's exact statement when he said uh, he thinks he made a mistake. Because that to me is like, huh. Or is he selling it? Right. Is you know? he selling it? Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. Roy's smart. He's a great commentator. He's one of the best commentators yeah. in the game. I met him one time. Me, you, him. Yeah. And, uh, in Vegas after fights. Yeah. We were eating yeah. steak. Yeah. yeah. That was, uh, I think that was at Mandalay Bay. Uh, is that the place... That steakhouse so. we always go. That's the one at the MGM. Is that? Did we eat there? I think we ate the one at Mandalay Bay, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But he's been fighting much more recently. Roy Jones on Mike Tyson exhibition match. I made a mistake going in with him. Tyson is still one of the strongest, most explosive people who ever touched a boxing glove. Jones said. We even got Biden's performance for that. What does it say here? He said, he's still Mike Tyson, still one of the strongest, most explosive people who ever touched a boxing glove. If anything, I made a mistake going in with him. He's the bigger guy. He's the explosive guy, he said. He's going to have all the first-round fireworks, not me. I do have first-round fireworks, but he's known for more first-round fireworks than anybody to ever touch boxing other than maybe George Foreman. Jones' apprehension follows remarks Tyson made last month where he called the match a search and destroy. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, you imagine you're at home. Look, I'm just going to check Twitter before I go to bed. Yeah, you see that? <laughs> search and destroy. Tyson says, this is search and destroy, and I'm looking forward to recapturing my glory. Tyson told TMZ Sports, the fighting game is what I'm about, and hurting people is what I'm about. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's so interesting for me to see. Like, Jamie and I talked about it right after Tyson left. Yeah. Where Jamie was like, okay, that was a different person. Like <laughs> From the from 11 months ago, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Everything. All of it. The, the, he wasn't energy. ready to fight back then, and then all of a sudden... Yeah. Yeah. He was... Yeah, everything you've just been saying the last five minutes, but ten, he, intense. He yeah. was saying to us during the podcast the first time, mm -hmm. he's like, I don't even work out. He goes, if I work out, I'll reignite my ego. He goes, I don't, I don't want to do that. I remember that, yes. And then one of the quotes that he said in this comeback, he yeah. said, the gods of war have reignited my ego. <laughs> The gods well, of war. What a fucking terrifying human. <laughs> what I remember is seeing some of those clips of him punching lately with all that power oh. is his legs. Yeah. I mean, you know that's where the power. Yeah. I saw his his quads or mm -hmm. his hamstring, just the size of his legs. I'm like, God, that's a 
thick kid. Yeah. Like Brendan well, Schaub thick. He's still got it. He's still got it. Whatever it is. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's still got it. Well, I don't know. Should yeah. be fun to watch. There's a thing about like having that skill when you're young. Um, as long as the body doesn't fall apart, as long as the shoulders still work right mm-hmm. and the back's not completely blown out, like especially if, the, and I don't know what the deal is with TRT and growth hormone and all mm-hmm. that stuff, but if he still, if he knows how to move his body and he learned how to move his body in a way very few human beings can do, the way he, he has that that shell, that that guard where he comes in, that peekaboo style, yeah. just bobbing and weaving and throwing fucking bombs, mm-hmm. like that is in his makeup. Well, I mean, it's like you devel- kicking. Yeah. It's like you with your... Your what is it, spinning back kid? Yeah, all yeah. that shit. Yeah, it's like it's you've done it since you were fifteen. Yeah, so he's done the apart, same thing exactly. So no matter what your body does, if you're stronger because of TRT or whatever mm-hmm. else, that that's that technique isn't going anywhere. Yeah, your mind still knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a, a video. Look at this. Mike Tyson gets more ripped with each intense training video. <laughs> Dude, this is a while ago though. This is a yeah. while ago. He's way more jacked than this now. Yeah, that's what's crazy. Like he. This was months and months and months ago. So this is September, it says. Okay, right here. so here we go. September seventh. Video. That's what I was trying to hope it would. Just oh, sons! Of, oh, here it goes. Oh, this is just a bunch of. All right, this one though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So th- this is where I saw. It. Look at his legs, dude. Yeah. No, he's exploding, and it's also he's an unstoppable oh my force. Oh God. It's a, he's an unstoppable force. Still got it. <laughs> yeah. It's the the thing about him is you gotta stop him from yeah. coming and How? you can't yeah do you ever see the m- most terrifying mike tyson fight for me is marvis frazier did you ever see that fight i'm sure i did marvis frazier who was joe frazier's son yeah and there was all this shit talk right. leading up to this fight where joe frazier was like my son's gonna fuck you up and he's yeah like, mm-hmm, okay <laughs> you know and there was this intensity because you know a lot of people had kind of compared tyson in, in many ways to frazier because they were both mm. fairly short heavyweights yeah they both had that sort of bobbing and weaving style look how intense that is mm-hmm. and the guy who's training him is rafael cordero who's a, a le- that's king's mma mm. in huntington beach rafael cordero is a legendary mma coach which mm-hmm. is really interesting that he's the guy who's training mike tyson because well see that quote right there look inside my soul and how bad i want it Ooh. if tyson's like look inside you don't want that. Look at his forearm. See that what I'm talking about? Yeah. The muscles on his forearm? Yeah. Bro. When he said that's that muscle is from this. That's from clenching and smashing. God. Ah, ah. Or you're yeah. doing chin ups and shit. But that's like the the fist muscle. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, fucking terrifying. I know. He's so terrifying. <laughs> yeah. But Rafael Cordero, the guy who's training him, which is really interesting, he's not necessarily known as a, a boxing, boxing trainer. Team. He's a Muay Thai trainer. Huh. Obviously, uh trained Anderson Silva. Trained uh, a lot of the Curitiba guys, the the uh, shoot the box guys like Mauricio Shogun, who uh, Ninja, who uh, yeah. like uh, Vanderlei Silva, some of the like the all time great MMA legends of mm. the pioneers. He was one of the trainers for those guys, like uh, main trainer for a lot of those guys. Mm. I wonder why legendary. he went with him. I think they just started out like hitting pads together. Oh, you know, and just get back in. I think the he just likes the guy, and yeah. they started hitting pads together, and he likes mm. what he was bringing to the table. And, yeah, yeah. I always wonder what would happen if uh, was it Cus Customano if he wouldn't have died. Oh yeah, it would have been a different world. I mean, because that's what kind of got Tyson. Then he was with Don King and that whole thing and unhealthy lifestyle. But when it, he was with Customato, it was like it was just you know singular vision of 
Yeah, he probably would have been even greater than he was. Yeah, he probably been, that's what would I'm have thinking. been maintained it much longer than he was that he did. Yeah, I mean, Cuss probably would have kept him up in the cat skills, yeah, yeah. pulled him away from all the bullshit. That's what I'm thinking. It yeah, well, he you... he just we talked about it a bit, but what an amazing father figure Cuss was. But we mm-hmm. also talked about how Cuss hypnotized him. Really? Oh yeah, man. When he was young, Cuss, Cuss hypnotized him, mm. and that was uh, part of his uh, ability sure. to like seek and destroy. Is that Cuss told him things like, "You don't exist. Just the task." The mm. task exists. Oh, you know that there's a man in front of you. And you're breaking that man down. That's the task. You you don't exist. Like crazy shit like that. Wow. You're telling that to a 13 year old. <laughs> and then you have the perfect storm of this 13 year old is incredibly physically gifted. Yeah. Right. He was 13 years old. He weighed 190 pounds. <laughs> and, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And Teddy Atlas told me he would bring him to these smokers. A smoker is like an amateur boxing event yeah. that they would do in boxing gyms. Right. And he'd bring him to these smokers, and everybody would lie. Like, how many fights does this guy have? Oh, he's only had two fights. Yeah. Kids had like 30 fights. Right. And so they'd bring Tyson. And he goes, how old is the kid? He goes, he's 13. He was like, that fucking kid is not 13. <laughs> he's like, okay, he's 16. Yeah. What do you, how old do you want him to be? Yeah. And he goes, okay, 16. I got a 16-year-old for him. And he just smashed this poor guy. Right. But he was 13. He was Jeez. just smashing people. Yeah. It was the first thing that he ever did that got him real love and attention and accept. Right. First thing he ever did where people are like, you're special. There's mm-hmm. something to you. And then he has this guy in Customato who's a legend in boxing. Yeah. Like one of the most respected, legendary trainers in boxing. Right. He had uh, trained uh, Jose Torres, Floyd Patterson. And there he yeah. is. And he's he's giving this kid information and talking to this kid yeah. about what he can accomplish and what he can be. And Incredible. Yeah. I mean, look at that. Yeah. That was when he was full Jack Dempsey mode. Yeah. That was when he was 19. <clears throat> he was awesome, man. Yeah. I just think uh, I would not want to be in there with him. No. I just, definitely not me. But I mean, if I was a bo- heavyweight boxer who was like anywhere near his age, I just, no. I, don't, I don't want none of that. I wonder how he'd do, like if he came back in shape, I wonder how he'd do like against Tyson Fury. The real problem is he's, no matter what you do, He's still 54. Yeah. <clears throat> no matter what you do. But those guys He's still don't been knocked go... out. Well, listen, yeah. listen, yes, they do. They do. They go yeah. hard. Oh, fuck yeah, they go hard. But Tyson Fury is six foot nine. I know, I know. Said, He's Ty- huge. Mike Tyson is pretty close to my size. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I stand next to him, it's not, we're not like in right. a different universe. Yeah. Tyson Fury's in a different universe than me. Yeah. When I met him, I'm like, hello, giant. <laughs> Like it's he's true. a yeah, he's a giant, true. like yeah. and he's a big giant. Like Deontay Wilder's a giant too, but yeah. he's slender. Deontay mm-hmm. Wilder doesn't weigh much more than me, which really? is crazy, dude. He fought when he fought Tyson Fury the first time and he dropped him twice. Yeah, he weighed two oh nine. Wow, two oh nine. Wow, and he's six six nine something crazy God. like that. Six seven. He's huge, mm-hmm. real. But he's a preposterous power puncher. Yeah, he's preposterous. Yeah, forty knockouts or something. Yeah, it, like he knocked out everybody except one dude and Tyson Fury. Yeah, in the last fight, and then well, in both fights, you know, in the last fight he got stopped by Tyson Fury. I love Tyson Fury's story though too. It's amazing. I mean, yeah, yeah. what the a comeback. That, yeah, the fact that he was like literally accelerating his Ferrari towards a bridge to kill himself. Yeah. Yeah. And then decided not to and just was like really fucked up. Dude, boxing by itself, just just that, just getting hit in the head, is not good for your brain. No. It's just not. And then you have cocaine and booze 
and chaos and yeah. fame and all those things that came after he beat Vladimir Klitschko. Yeah. And he didn't just beat Vladimir Klitschko. He humiliated him. Yeah. He mocked him. Yeah. He taunted him. He outboxed him. He's and then he, such and he a good sang, boxer. He sang in the ring horrible songs. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's so... <clears throat> so good. He's so good, yeah. I mean, technique-wise. <clears throat> yeah. It's amazing. Well, and then coming back and um, using that guy from Kronk, Sugar Hill, right? That's the his trainer for the last fight. I believe that's uh, the gentleman from Kronk. Kronk was Emmanuel Stewart's gym, which created Tommy Hearns and Gerald McClellan mm -hmm. and all these fucking assassins. And they had this real aggressive attacking style. And he took on that style for the yeah. second fight with Deontay. So he came after yeah. him, which, uh, yes, Sugar Hill. Sugar yeah. Hill Stewart. And uh, he, is that Emmanuel's son? I don't know. I don't know that. But that would be amazing if it was. Yeah. I mean, it's... Um, but he had a different style. Mm -hmm. He came after Deontay. Yeah. And he realized that Deontay does not fight as well going back. Right. But Deontay hits dudes in like the top of the head and puts them to sleep. I he know. hits he hits guys and it's like what happened? Like they got yeah. shot with a sniper rifle. Crazy. Yeah. Such big humans. Like I I you know, thinking of it now, you're right. I mean, giants. Giants. Giants with skill, though. Yeah. Tyson's so big. Tyson Fury, he's so huge. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I'll go Logan Paul, Mike Tyson, if, <laughs> if they both win. <laughs> you imagine they set that up. Listen, that's a real thing that could happen. I know. It's not if they both win, because Logan's not going to win. He's not going to win. Dude, dude, the one punch. I can't imagine that happening. I, I, I'm not a gambling man, per se. But I would be willing to bet a million dollars that he's not going to knock out Floyd Mayweather. I'd be like, I just can't imagine a world where that, that yeah. takes place. Yeah. It could happen. It, Don't get me wrong. It could happen. Yeah, it's a fight game. It would be the weirdest moment in all of boxing if mm -hmm. Logan Paul connects with a big punch and knocks Floyd Mayweather out. Oh, God. It'd be it'd be horrible. <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Be, a lot of ways it would be oh. amazing. It yeah. would be it would be both horrible and amazing. Yeah, it's his nephew. nephew. Okay, yeah. so uh, you know they 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 devise a perfect strategy, Sugar Hill and um, and Tyson Fury in the rematch. But then there's going to be another fight in December, so they're fighting again. The third fight is going to be in December. Who? Wait, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's weird watching these fights with no audience too. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. The, how do you? I mean, do you like doing UFC with no? I do like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't not like it. Mm -hmm. I do like it. Yeah. The thing about it that's really strange is you hear everything. You hear yeah. every grunt. Mm. You hear deep breaths. You hear shit talk. You hear mm. uh, corners coaching like yeah. really clearly. Mm. You know, like, you know, three, five, three, five, like look for the left, move to the side, move, the, stay away from his right leg. You know, like all these things, get out of kicking range. Like yeah. you hear things that you don't necessarily hear unless those guys are mic'd up. Mm. And we, you know, sometimes occasionally when there's a, a live crowd, we'll tune into those people. Like you yeah. have, you yeah. tune into them. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the coach will, do, there'll be a camera on them and we'll listen to the corner mm -hmm. while they're giving instructions. Mm -hmm. But it's not most of the time. It's just occasionally. Right. But during these big fights with no audience, you hear everything the coaches are saying. Everything. Yeah. They have this date in December locked up for the Vegas uh, new football stadium. Oh. Only because they're hoping to have fans there for yeah. it. So I don't know how many, but it lines up with the NFL schedule so the, the venue's open. Mm. How is that possible? 
Do you think they were hoping to have 15,000, I think. So it'd be definitely distanced in there. I don't know how, though. Yeah, because the stadium probably holds. Probably close to 80, 90. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. So they'd be all spread oh. out. How weird. I know. So but, I mean, stupid. would you want to go there? Yeah. 15,000 people would coughing? I, 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 there's a football game last night in Cleveland. There's 6,000 people there, and they still had a fight in the stands. <laughs> you know what? People yeah. get drunk. They watch football. That's what they want to do. They're going to go to Vegas. They're going to party. They're going to be crazy. Hey, Cleveland, Cleveland won. They did. They pulled yeah. Fan Hopes that fans will be able to attend. Yeah, maybe. Well, at a certain point in time, yeah, I believe. A, it's after the election. Yeah, so it'll be over. Maybe, yeah, after the, after the election, it's all going to be fine. Unless there's riots. Who knows yeah. what's going to happen after the election? I mean, yeah. the world could be filled with chaos after the election. Man, I don't know. Where are the fights this weekend? They are taking place in Vegas. This mm-hmm. is at the Apex Center. And then next weekend is Fight Island. So the oh. next few fights are at Fight Island. But this mm-hmm. one, this one's at the Apex Center, which is an awesome place for fights. It's yeah. awesome. The acoustics are amazing. The way they have it set up is amazing, mm-hmm. you know. And the UFC, kudos to the UFC for doing the right job, doing the the best job they can. They they test the shit out of everybody. Everybody wears masks. Yeah, there it is. Fight night. What's the card? Let me see the card. <clears throat> I know um, Cowboys on the card against yeah. Nico Price. That is a tough fight. And that dude comes that. I don't know how you say his last name. Chimaev? Oh, my God. He's a beast. That kid yeah. is a beast. Yeah. That's an interesting fight. Very confident. Mm-hmm. But Gerald, Gerald, Gerald Mearshart has got a lot of experience, man. Yeah. Lots of you fights. Know? Look at yeah. that. 44 fights. 44 fights. Johnny Walker and Ryan Spann. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mackenzie Dern. Kevin Holland, Darren Stewart. This is good fights. Mackenzie yeah. Dern. Yeah, good fights. Who do you got? Who do you got in the headliner? <sighs> Colby. It's a. It's listen. Tyron Woodley is one of the greatest welterweights of all time. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. But his last two fights have not been his best. Yeah, he lost uh, two decisions in a row. But he also lost two decisions in a row to a guy in Kamaru Usman, who I think is one of the greatest of all time. I think Usman is just an unstoppable beast. Mm-hmm. And you saw what he's the only guy that's been able to shut down Colby. Yeah. You know, that's how good Kamaru Usman is. Mm-hmm. Shut him down, outlasted him, and then wound up beating Colby up in the final round, broke his jaw, stopped mm-hmm. him. Um, but if Tyron Woodley can regain the the form that he had when he beat Darren Till, the form that he had when he knocked out Robbie Lawler, the form that he had when he was at the top of his game, you know, he gives everybody problems. Yeah. But the the question is like what has been going on? Is it just that he's me he's meeting some of the best guys ever, like mm-hmm. in Gilbert Burns, who's elite. Gilbert Burns is elite. Yeah. And Kamaru Usman is elite. But you can make an argument that he's lost ten rounds in a row. The yeah. last ten rounds in a row, which is incredible. If you think about before that fight, if you go back to before the fight with Kamaru Usman, mm-hmm. if someone told you Tyron Woodley before this fight is going to lose 10 rounds in a row, yeah. you'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. He's a destroyer. Yeah. Tyron Woodley's a destroyer. It's sometimes fighters, they have peaks and valleys, and sometimes they return better and stronger than ever, and sometimes it's the start of a downward slide. Mm-hmm. And Colby is a real test to find out where he's at because there's going to be a lot of emotions coming into this fight. And uh, Tyron, for sure, is the bigger puncher. For yeah. sure. Tyron is a legit one-punch knockout artist. Mm-hmm. But Colby has a third lung. He's got a crazy gas tank. And, yeah. and it's you can't just take him out. 
you got to beat him down. Like Usman beat him down. And even yeah. then, he was protesting the stoppage with a, a, a jaw literally snapped yeah. in half, blood pouring out of his mouth, and pissed that they stopped the fight. He's a tough kid. He's a fucking animal. Yeah. He's a fucking animal. And yeah. he's an animal that wants the belt, mm-hmm. you know? And he wants to get back in there with and Usman. And the striking looked pretty good in that fight. Pretty fucking good. And so we know he's a wrestler. He's got, yeah. like, I think the most takedowns right now um, of anybody active. Well, he... He has a crazy pace. And, yeah. You know, we were talking about Michael Chiesa. Michael, mm-hmm. You were saying that Michael yeah. Chiesa said you can't just have a, a good camp. Has to be your best camp ever. Yeah. If you're yeah. fighting Colby, you, you, you better pack a fucking lunch. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got a pace that's just hard to believe, man. Right. And that's, that's uh, Woodley's kryptonite. In some ways, it has been Woodley's kryptonite. It, it certainly was in the Usman fight. But, you know, the thing about Woodley is at least in those camps and in these moments in the past, he has had personal problems. He's had career issues. He's had distractions. Like he was starting a rap career. He was involved in a lot of other things that when I think when a fighter is at their best, they're, they are of a singular mission. And that singular mission is like to seek and destroy yeah. and to just train and to just fight. And I think everything else on top of that, you can do it. You yeah. can do it. Yeah. And maybe you'll be successful. Maybe you win by knockout. Maybe, maybe you'll, maybe you're just better. Yeah. But maybe not. Maybe it'll sap just a little bit of you. And mm-hmm. maybe, maybe those exchanges where you could come out on top, you don't. Right. The other guy comes out on top. And then you drop down a little bit. Yeah. And then you don't have the recovery because you, you haven't trained as hard as mm-hmm. maybe you could have. Or the distractions have kept you from just being completely focused and, and centered on your game. Yeah. I think that you saw that with Ronda Rousey. As Ronda Rousey got more and more famous, there was more and more distractions. Yeah. There was movie scripts, and there was television shows, and there was all these different things that came to her. Yeah. And at the end of the day, there was also Holly Holm, who was the best striker she ever faced, yeah. and, and Holly stopped her. And it changed, changed the whole game. Well, the thing about Colby Covington is that all that motherfucker does is train and That's talk it. shit. He trains yeah. and talks shit and makes videos. Yeah. Makes videos with, with, with girls with <laughs> <laughs> girls in their bikinis and it, he's talking shit in those videos too. Yeah. He's wearing a MAGA hat. And there's so much emotions when you're fighting but him. But that's the only time he's not training. Yeah. I mean, he, he is so focused on training and getting to be the best. I mean you know him well. Let's yeah. just tell people. Yeah. You've trained with him multiple yeah. you got you've run together. You've yeah. done he's trained at your gym. Yeah, he has. And he's just a hardworking kid. He's got the best attitude, the most respectful guy. You know, it's it's what he does on camera is a whole different thing. But when he's there to train, that's all he cares about. And that's what he does every single day. It's like he's obsessed with being the best. And it's it's tough to you know, when you're at your prime and you're as good as he is, we talked about talent, and then also you train and you eliminate those distractions, it's a, it's a, that's a package. Yeah, and I think that w- training with you also, when you know when you took that dude running and you run Mount Pisgah, Pisgah? How do you say that? Pisgah. Pisgah. Yeah. But why has it got a P in there? Uh, Pisgah? How do you say it's it? P-I-S-G-A-H. How's that? P- Pisgah? Yeah. But there should be a G in there somewhere. No, P-I-S-G-A-H. Yeah, but how do you say it? You're not saying it with a G. Pisca. Guh. Yeah. You, I thought you were saying Pisca. Say it Maybe again. I do. <laughs> Pisca. Yeah, see? There's no G in there. <laughs> Whatever. You're, you're not saying it's the G. It's just like people who say Oregon. Oh, it's Oregon. Oregon. So, I don't know. Gun. 
Good yeah. and still G. Okay. Piska. That's a K I'm in just there. saying that when you're from there, you just say... Okay, just, I get it. But when he runs that with you and he realizes yeah. like, wow, there's levels to endurance. There's levels to cardio. Yeah. I mean, that has got to help him. I mean, the yeah. guy your age, you're so much older than him and you're like way outpacing him when mm. you guys are running together. Like that's got to let him know like, Jesus Christ, like as much as you think you're pushing it, the grind never stops. Yeah. And it, someone like you who does that grind every fucking day, you get to this level of endurance mm-hmm. and people that think they're in good shape. Like I, I talked to a bunch of the Sorenex guys that went running with you. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I thought I was in pretty good shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's different. But yeah, Colby is always has been known for his cardio. So he yeah. does really well, but he'll, he'll admit too that, I mean, I'm only doing that. So yeah. I'm, I'm not hitting pads. I'm not wrestling. So it's like, it's easy for me to focus on, on endurance, but he does say that. So it, it has opened his eyes. He said to, there is another level yeah. and that's where he's been obsessed with getting. Yeah. The other level of in, endurance and conditioning has always been this place where people reach and then realize it. Uh, I remember, um, Tito Ortiz fought Frank Shamrock. Mm-hmm. This was back when Tito Ortiz was at the top. Well, before he was really at the top of his game. But training was, a Big Bear? I think he was training a Big Bear. I, think, oh. I don't know if he was training a Big Bear back then mm. because this was the fight where Frank Shamrock outworked him. Oh. And Frank Shamrock wound up beating him down and stopping him. Oh, okay. And when it happened, Tito became this cardio monster right. afterwards mm. and focused on cardio. It was, it was a great lesson. Mm-hmm. It re- he realized like, wow, like I fell apart because I got exhausted. Yeah. And before he was able to smash these people because he's this really big, strong kid and he was a very good wrestler, just tough as fuck and he's ready yeah. to scrap. And he wound up running into a guy in Shamrock that was trained better, was smarter, mm-hmm. was just had a better game plan and was an insane cardio. Mm. And, Frank uh, just outworked him and and wound up stopping him. And then Tito became this guy who realized like, oh, cardio's everything. Right. Cardio's and, and okay. I remember Kendall Grove, who uh, was a great fighter from Hawaii. Yeah, I remember him. still around. Um, he trained with Tito on the Ultimate Fighter and then said to me, he goes, dude, it opened my eyes. Hmm. He goes, cardio is everything. Yeah. Cardio is everything. Yeah. And you realize that these guys that have a certain amount of conditioning, they have a certain amount of ability. If you add extreme cardio, mm-hmm. then the other guy gets tired and you don't. And yeah. then when, when you see someone tired and you're not tired, it's oh. amazing. It's amazing that yeah. feeling. You're like, hi, what's up? Yeah. What's, bang. Yeah, that's got to feel this, good. Oh, it's, it feels amazing. It's, and the saying, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Yep. You know, so you may, as a fighter, when you're, to, when you're you know, fresh, mm-hmm. you could be a whole different fighter than when you're tired. Yep. All of a sudden being choked out wouldn't be that bad. Let me get out of here. Yep, yep. That, and that is what happens, too. Your brain starts to looking for ways out. Yeah. You know, you, you give up your back. You you give up an arm. You, you know, like you see guys you see guys getting mounted, and you see them, yeah. like, literally reach up, and they're kind of giving an arm. Yeah. And they're, they're they, so tired. They're like, take my neck. But And that's mm-hmm. what – that's a big thing to me, the difference in the fight, is I – Colby was tired. as a fifth round. He was beat up. He never gave up. That's he, true, but neither did Tyron. You got to realize Tyron fought Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns put a beating on him in the first round. Tyron never looked for a way out. He kept trying to win that fight. Yeah. Gilbert was a step ahead of him, and Gilbert wound up winning basically every round. But Tyron never looked for a way out. Did you think that I felt like he didn't? He sort of gave up against Usman. I don't I think, think he gave up. I think that's all he had. 
I think I that's all he had. It didn't look like he was doing shit in that fight. Well, I think, first of all, he was trying to stay alive because mm-hmm. Usman put a beating on him. I think it was one round. I think it was the fourth round. He unloaded this horrific combination on him. And I talked to Usman about it, and he was mm. like, I was trying to take him out. Yeah. And he was, then I realized he wasn't going anywhere. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I've been I burnt my gas tank yeah. out. Yeah. But, you know, I think Tyron's trying to win with everything he had, but I don't think he had enough that oh, okay. day. And I talked to him about that fight afterwards, and he said that, that wasn't me because I wasn't there. Anybody who knows me knows that that wasn't me. Yeah, but so so, how do you do that? How do you go to a fight and that's not you? You know what we talked about about distractions and about all these different yeah. things. Yeah. And you know, it's it's hard being a professional prize fighter is one of the most difficult things that anybody could do in athletics. Oh, I couldn't. I mean, I'm sitting on the couch talking shit. I don't but know you're not anything. sitting on the couch. You, you do difficult things. I mean, you've done the Moab 240. You've run 240 fucking miles in the mm-hmm. mountains. You know what difficult things are. The thing about fighting is that you're you're getting hit and yeah. someone is hitting you. The thing, there's, there's battles and so maybe as difficult, if not more difficult, the battles that play out in your own mind when you're running for three days in the mountains. Yeah. But there's something about people hitting you mm-hmm. and about knowing that this guy, like when you're sparring, say, and you realize that a guy is faster than you, you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to do this and I'm getting cracked yeah. as I'm coming in. His timing's better and you have to readjust. And you're constantly thinking. Yeah. It's a crazy management battle because you're estimating what you can do and you're calculating what you need to, like you need to faint your way in. You, mm-hmm. need, to, you need to redirect or misdirect. You're trying to figure it out. So it's draining. It's exhausting. And then you're getting, bang, then yeah. you're getting dinged up. And you're trying to win, but you just don't have it. Right. You know, and that's what I saw with Tyron Woodley. I never saw any quit. There was no mm. quit because he could have quit. He could have found a way out. He's a champion. Yeah. He could have found a way out in either one of those fights. The thing about this Colby Covington fight is you got to be ready. Mm-hmm. You got to be ready. And if he's ready, and if you, you, if we're getting the Tyron Woodley that knocked out Robbie Lawler, if we're getting the Tyron Woodley that stopped Carlos Condit, we're getting the real Tyron Woodley. If we're getting yeah. that guy, yeah. it's going to be an interesting fight yeah. because they fucking hate each other. Mm-hmm. They fucking hate each other. And Tyron does not want to lose three fights in a row. No, no. And Col- Colby says he's expecting the best Tyrone Woodley. And he calls him Tyrone? <laughs> yeah. Tyrone he, Woodley, you <laughs> pussied out. This should have been you, all that shit. You, I know. This is your ass kicking. Yeah. Uh, Why'd you let this man take this ass beating for you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be... So he's expecting the best. Yeah. And he says... He just he says he's gonna end the fight. When he, if and when uh, he wins the title, I want to get him here in here. I want I want him to tell the story of why he created this character because it's a really interesting story. Because if you talk to Colby outside the octagon, like you said, he's a very respectful dude. He's really yeah. smart and nice, and he's very mm-hmm. smart. He's a he's a like he's there. Like yeah. he's a he's a very articulate, like really engaging person. He's yeah. he's charismatic. Yeah. But what he realized was he was about to get cut mm-hmm. and the UFC just, they, they were literally telling him like, we, we don't like your style. We right. don't like the way you're fighting. We're going to cut you. So he goes to Brazil. Mm-hmm. He's fighting Damian Maia in Brazil and he starts talking bad shit. Yeah. He calls him a bunch of filthy animals and said, the place is a dump yeah. and, and everybody goes nuts and he that was wins. After he beat it. I mean, he said it on the mic afterwards. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. After yeah. he won. Yeah. yeah. And beat, and, I don't, Maya's never been beat up like that, has he? Um, Tyron beat him up pretty bad. Um, and uh, Gilbert Burns knocked him out in his last fight. But Damian Maya's 41, I think. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, yeah. 
one of the greatest jujitsu artists that's ever competed in MMA. There it is. Look at that. Is this t- right now? That was earlier today. Yeah, earlier today. Oh, shit. Look how focused Colby looks. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> He's so focused. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> oh. That's... This is intense. This is intense. <laughs> that looks good. Tyron has a shirt on that says legalize being black. What? It's illegal. Did you know? Yeah. Oh, um, it's, it's, Kobe it's, looked good there, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he looks really, really intense. Yeah. It's hard to see if Tyron's intense because he's got glasses on. Yeah. He's wearing sunglasses. Yeah. Um, it's it's a crazy fight, man. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy fight. But yeah, Colby in Brazil knew... They said... What he says is UFC said they were going to cut him, win or lose. Yeah. And so he made... He that's, started talking crazy shit. Everybody spe- went nuts, and yeah. then a lot of eyes on him. And they're like, yeah. "We like what you're doing." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they they basically and he it was it was a career saving move that turned mm-hmm. him into a star. Yeah, and out of nowhere, I, I look. I talked to him before that. He was not that guy. Mm-hmm. Before that, he was just a guy who was training and fighting and doing really well. well that's and, who he still is. And he had a great style. I yeah. mean, his style was that style of like really high pace. Yeah, stays on people. Mm-hmm. He only had one loss uh, previous to the Kamaru Usman fight, and that was a fight that he took with a fucked up rib. Yeah, he was hurt. Yeah, and needed money. He needed the cash, yeah. which is this the the life of a young up and coming yeah. prize fighter. Yeah. But uh, he's special. Mm-hmm. He's not, you know, he tricks people with the cheap suits and the MAGA hat yeah. and all that trash talk. Like, this is a, that is a facade. But the thing is, that makes it harder. Like, to talk all that shit and yeah. then go and put fight. pressure because, on yourself. Yeah, people want you to lose, man. You put people want pressure. you to lose. Yeah. yeah. And he's good at it. He's good yeah. at dealing with that. And I even, I've heard stories about him back in college wrestling and he still had that confidence where he'd be wrestling and talking to the crowd. That's well, amazing. Yeah, while he's wrestling during the match against, you know, the best wrestlers in the country. I mean, well there's something kid. about that that distracts the the opponent too. Mm-hmm. You know, people do that like Floyd Mayweather does a lot of that inspiring. Yeah. James Tony was famous for that. Mm. James Tony who's like without a doubt one of the best defensive boxers of his era. He was an amazing boxer. And James Tony would talk mad shit during mm-hmm. fights. That's it, bitch. So yeah. you got bitch. This is it, bitch. Yeah. So you got bitch. And then he pop <laughs> you with a jab and hook you. Come on, bitch. Come on, yeah. bitch. You ain't got shit. You ain't got shit. Pop, pop. You oh, got shit. Pop, oh, pop. God, that'd yeah. Be and terrible. He, he did that in, in in sparring. There's see if Google James Tony talking shit during sparring. Mm. It was legendary. People would go to Wildcard Gym just to watch James Tony box and talk shit to people. Wow. And he would get like world championship caliber fighters and like, come on, bitch, mm. let's spar, bitch. He would like take guys that maybe he would fight in the future. You know, like he didn't care. He's wow. like, come on, get in here. And he had that like that shoulder roll style. So kind of like Floyd. Yeah, but but he's thick. You know, he's oh. a big, thick dude. Mm-hmm. So he'd get up in here and, and, and get on top of guys and push them up against the rope and talk shit and hook them. That'd be rough. Yeah. His what? his fight with Roy Jones Jr. was when they were both in their prime and James Tony was a destroyer. Mm-hmm. And Roy Jones Jr. just was too fast, too slick. Mm-hmm. See, if you could hear this, can you hear some of this? He just talks shit. Oh, that's Danny Green, who is a, a world class fighter. I don't know where this. Look how thick is, he is. God damn, yeah. James Tony looks good here. Yeah, he Look does. how big he is. Oh, 
I don't know if it's uh, if there's shit talking in this or if it's just like regular boxing sparring. Yeah. But Danny Green, I believe, when when these guys sparred, Dan Danny Green was a top contender. Mm. Rogan made this video famous 12 years ago. Let's <laughs> <laughs> talk about it six months ago. Oh, uh, it says 12 years after I uploaded it. Oh, that's hilarious. That's good. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, I made it famous again. I love watching boxing sparring matches. I, yeah. lo I love. I love. I love. I love like watching anything. Here's. Said you're scared to get hit. You're European. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. See, that fucks with people's heads. Yeah, definitely. Then you take a stiff jab. Yeah. So he's talking shit to. Woo. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, those punches are stout. Yeah. Well, he was just. He was fantastic at like these like really tight like in close combat fights of like giving you the shoulder and pop you with short hooks and turning angles on you. He was just super skillful. He just wasn't the most disciplined guy. Yeah. So like a lot of times he would show up for fights. He didn't have big cams. I brought it up because it, it was uh, Radio Rahim. He filmed those. Oh, that's right. That's mm. what that was. That's right. Mm. Um, he also fought in the UFC. He fought Randy Couture. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Randy Couture just hit him with a low ankle. And took him down, took him mounted him. Fast. I think he arm. I think he arm triangled him. I think he got him in a head and arm choke. But isn't that so? I mean, you said you like watching training. But yeah. Like I mean, that's how you you watched me shooting when you first wanted to have me on the on the podcast years ago. Yeah. So what is it about? It's like watching people put in work for uh, for a discipline. Is that what you're? Is, you like to see? Is yes. that, or Is that what everybody likes to see? I, I get inspired by greatness. People that are great at anything, even mm -hmm. great at shit that I don't ever want to do. Like if I see a guy play the harp, yeah. he's fucking awesome. At yeah. it. I get fired up. Yeah, me too. I just love watching people put in work. Yeah. I, I think there's something that's uh, an incredible resource that we have today with videos, mm -hmm. whether it's YouTube videos or any kind of video on Instagram or what have you, where you can watch them and, and you get you get fired up. Like that's mm -hmm. a boundless resource. Yeah. You know, you need discipline to get things done in this life. But inspiration's nice. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, it it helps. Gives you, give you a little extra juice. <laughs> you won't get there without discipline. Yeah. It like helps. if you only trained when you're inspired, fuck. Good yeah. luck. You're not gonna you're not gonna right. you're gonna get fat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You need discipline, but inspiration's nice. Yeah. It's nice to have. There's something about it to me. Um, I just take advantage of it. I think it's a it's an amazing resource. Mm. So whether it's watching a guy like you shoot and watching your dedication and your training footage and all that stuff. Like I love the fact that you're always putting those the Sornix lab on on Instagram yeah. and you, you do those long videos where you and uh who's Eric. in there with you? Is it Eric, Eric the trainer yeah. dude? No, that's uh, that's uh, Eric. oh Nick the trainer, Nick dude. the trainer, dude. Eric McCormick is outlaw strength. Outlaw strength. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Um. But that you do it with these guys, and you have these. Uh, you bring people in to train with you, and yeah. you have these. It just. I need to know that other people are working. Yeah. I like it. I like yeah. it. I want to see it. I want to see motion. I want. It's it makes weird. me want to put my fucking shoes on and go. It's weird because those videos sometimes they'll get for me is a lot, but two hundred thousand views on just crazy. just lifting. Yeah. Isn't that it's, crazy. But so people aren't unlike you i mean they they want that too they love it those yeah. goggins videos i put a goggins video on my uh page of the day got two million views oh, yeah crazy. because it's just him talking shit about himself 
yeah. which is what's hilarious. Yeah. He's talking shit about his own like lack of motivation. Is that where he said he videoed himself yeah. being a being a bitch? Yeah, he goes, "I sound like a straight bitch." <laughs> God, I love that guy. Stay hard. <laughs> I love that guy. How could he not make somebody want to work harder? I mean. It, it, you are going to work harder than you were going to work out for yeah. sure. You're not going to probably work out as hard as him, but you're going to work out harder than you would have knowing yeah. that there's dudes like that out there. Yeah. I think that's what's, that's what people need to realize. And I think you provide that as well because people have this idea of how hard they're working and it's usually grossly inflated. Yeah. You know, most, most people, they don't have the experience of driving themselves on a daily basis to excellence mm -hmm. they kind of put in some work and then they pat themselves on the back they think they did a good job yeah, right even guys who kind of work out kind of hard like i'm fucking in there hustling like, yeah. are you <laughs> are you really yeah let me show you some videos yeah, bro here's here's yeah, yeah. Here's, here, here's my friend that gets up at three in the morning and yeah. runs a marathon before work well every place i've went this year it's like um to a, a crowd where i haven't been around they've talked about true at doing pull-ups that was oh, it's, your it's, son it's, it's hilarious they'll be like so now uh did he do chin-ups too and pull-ups and, and switch around? I'm like, nope, just just pull-ups. So push-ups, did you do any pull Nope, just just pull-ups. And that pull-ups are so hard. And how many pull-ups did he do? He did 4,100. In 24 hours? Yeah, 17 hours, like 35 minutes. 4,100 pull-ups. Yeah, yeah. That's a but lot his, of pull-ups. His motivating factor was Goggins. I yeah. mean, he's all about Goggins. Goggins' previous world record was 4,032 and so I just told him, I said, well, you know, we, we look up to Gog Goggins is like a, a God to us, you know, I mean, he's so, such a badass, and, and just knowing him is, is an honor. But, uh, I said, well, if that's the goal to beat Goggins, you also have to beat his time. Otherwise, what's the point? So, um, he did, he, he was able to do that and it was all about just trying to live up to the example Goggins set and he got it done but now a lot this, of people bring that up the Goggins pull-up rec like what Goggins record was for pull-ups how did he calculate it out did he say if I do five every x amount of seconds five a minute five a minute you the, do five a minute there's 60 minutes in an hour there's x 300 so he calculated yeah. it all out and he said if, yeah. as long as I can keep that pace mm -hmm. I can do this that's what Truett was doing he wanted to do five a minute yeah so then he fell behind a little bit and uh I was having him get back up on because I showed up when he was about maybe two thousand in. I flew in, Woo! and uh, you know, and he was doing pretty good, but he started to fall behind. So then I was getting him back up on that bar, and you know, I'd look at the clock and say, "You don't, you don't have, you got to get back up there now. Let's go." Did you play him the scene where Adrian tells Rocky, "Win, Rocky." <laughs> no, no, just the, win. The one that Goggins likes is round fourteen, I think, in when. Apollo had Rocky hurt <laughs> and then Rocky gets up and Apollo had his hands up and then he looks back and Rocky's up and Apollo just shakes his head and then he's like I can't this fucker won't quit so that's what Goggins Goggins he replayed that over and over that's amazing yeah yeah that's isn't that funny but anyway Goggins is like it's a, so he's so powerful to so many people including my son so mm -hmm. I mean it's it's um well I gotta say you raised two savage sons you did mm -hmm. a pretty fucking good job yeah. You really did. Thank you. You I have mean, two amazing sons. Yeah. Tanner Tanner right now is uh He's a stud. <sighs> Last time I saw him I was like, Look at you, man. Yeah. I remember when you were young. Yeah. I know. Just yeah. a few years ago yeah. he was a, a a boy. Now yeah. he's this big savage man. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh And he's a ranger. Yeah. 
he's in the army and he's uh, a beast. Yeah, I mean, I feel, feel no Tanner and Truett. You should be you should be very proud. You did an amazing job, mm-hmm. and it's your example that you've set, and that's uh, that's a powerful thing. It's it's not just powerful because you set that example, but you also set an example to them, and they will set examples to other people, and it's a butterfly effect, and it's, it'll pass on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a thing that you're doing um, that when putting putting out the kind of work that you do and the consistency that you do people know that they can always come to your instagram page and they're going to get this like consistent message and consistent work ethic and mm-hmm. that's very it's it's fuel for people and it's uh it's it's wind it's like wind on the sail it pushes people and you probably have no idea how many countless people you've inspired by doing that mm, thank you yeah I'm- it's pretty amazing yeah, I mean, I, I I feel lucky uh, just to have the life that I have. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. I never would have envisioned this coming from where I came from. Do you also feel motivated because so many people are watching? Because so many people look up to you Yeah, now? I mean, I, I, I'm going to do what I do. It's, you know, you can't fake it for this long. I'm going to do what I do. But I also know that um, I'm, I got to hold myself accountable because people are paying attention. And I want to help them. I want to yeah. be... I want to be like you said that wind in their sail and so i i owe it to well i always i think for the most part i feel like i owe it to roy to give the best i have every day i think about him often people don't some people don't know who roy is uh, yeah roy, roy is my hunting partner who uh got me started in bow hunting back in 1988 and uh he died sheep hunting in 2015 and uh he fell and so it's you know i think off the side of a mountain yeah i felt i I think about how he lived his life and uh how tough he was and and how what he meant to me and i just you know so i want to honor him i want to honor his memory and like i i always say when i talk about roy's legends never die and i don't want his legend to die so um to me you know it's and i've talked about this before but even I've had a lot of hunting success and it just feels it's, it's not quite the same because Roy's not here because I'm not able to share it with him. And that was our, we'd call and update if we weren't hunting together, which we had two amazing hunts his last, last year, um, right before he fell. And, uh, it's like, it's a little, it's just different. It's not the same. Yeah. And so I do do it for him. I do it to, uh, on, I mean, for my life, you know, I feel like I got to give the best I have and I do it, you know, to hopefully been that be the wind in people's sail. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're all connected in this weird way, right? Mm-hmm. That's what's interesting about, uh, social media. There's a lot of negative aspects of social media, but there's some positive aspects too, that are undeniable. And one of them is that we, we all do inspire and, and motivate each other and whether people inspire and motivate you because they look up to you or because they they follow you because they're interested in what you do or because you look up to them and you see them and you see how hard they're working and it makes you want to get after it we imitate our atmosphere Mm -hmm. you know and if you are following good positive people good supportive positive people that are out there really putting in work and like it makes you want to be one of those people yeah i think so that's what how it works on me I do, I, I tell, uh, you know, we have a mutual friend, Aaron Snyder. I do tell him, I miss the days a little bit where he used to talk shit about me. 
because he used to because like, it motivates you yeah because years i'm like i i told him i texted him i'm like god i miss the days where he used to talk shit i said i need that i need the old aaron back now he's super supportive you know and he's like goggins tells me that he goes i like shit talking yeah he goes i, I like the haters he goes i think about them fucking haters when i get up in the morning yeah because i need those motherfuckers he says that i asked him specifically <laughs> i asked goggins specifically about that and about people who don't like him and he's like good he goes i like it like that fuck them yeah <laughs> i mean so you need it's weird our, yeah. it's it's a weird journey we're on where different things can motivate you at different times but yeah. I do some weird way like reading hate sometimes. I don't know why. Well, sometimes you need an extra little bit of gas, need the extra little juice. Yeah. And that sometimes people wanting to prove people wrong. Yeah. Sometimes that's uh that's good. Yeah. And it's also knowing that they're just bitches. No. You're not. You know, there's something about knowing that there's weak bitches out there in the world. Like, oh, look at imagine. you. Look at you, cutie. I couldn't imagine being one of those guys. I, I could. Mean, I could. I could if everything went totally wrong. You know, if you just you make bad decisions, you go on bad paths, you got, you got bad friends, you get a bad job, yeah. you get a bad girlfriend or right. a bad wife and yeah. a bad life and I mean, it could bad happen. habits. And it could easily happen. Drugs and alcohol and stealing and lying. And next thing you know, you hate yourself and you're 35 and you don't know why. You just like wish you were someone different and special. And then you see some guy out there just kicking ass. You're yeah. Like, Fuck him. Fuck yeah. you, loser. He's faking it. He's doing this. Like, I've heard people say all kinds of crazy shit. There's this one dude that I follow. He's a martial arts guy. People are always accusing him of speeding up his videos. Oh. You know, because he's so fast. Like, yeah. There's people like that, man. They yeah. just don't want to believe that you're the... And then there's other people that go, God damn, that guy's fast. Yeah. I want to work out harder. Right. And it's all in who you are, you know? Yeah. And where you are in life. Yeah. Find this guy on Instagram, uh, Erickson Samuel. He's, uh, he's on... Uh, instagram and he's got these uh crazy videos of him doing kicks see if you could find it I'm and just see. kick after kick after kick and it's super fast oh my god he's ridiculous yeah he's oh, so it's not sped up right no that's no, just what no, no 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 haters no, are no. saying yeah they're just haters yeah uh e-r-i-c okay um there's there's a bunch of really good ones. Go to the if you look at the grid, go to the second down on the left hand side. On the far yeah, watch this. Oh, this is just him doing a, a jump spinning kick. But there's some other ones uh, like the middle one in the top row. Go to the middle one in the top row. That one there. No, it's not. It's a bit. Watch how fast this motherfucker is. <laughs> so he does a lot of these. Yeah. He's just really talented, really skillful, but he had to do a video addressing people that say that he's speeding up his videos. Yeah. But that's how it always is. These aren't the best videos. He's got some other ones in there that are better. Is he good? Is yeah, he, he's good. Does yeah, he compete? He's, uh, I don't, he's definitely fought in MMA. Mm. I don't know what his record are. I just like watching his videos. I had some, fast. somebody yesterday say they were going to kill me and skin me like I do the animals. Interesting. Yeah. What a sweet person. They must be a compassionate vegan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's always fun. Yeah. I wonder, yeah. I wonder what they would say if they met you. People, they they get these ideas in their head that a person who hunts or a person who uh, is a meat eater is causing all this terrible harm to the world and that they are a good person and that this person is bad and they're going to threaten that person. Mm -hmm. And then somehow or another, that's going to make it all all better. 
or that they're showing you that you know they're there to stand up for the animals and there's a lot of like mentally ill people too yeah there's a lot of that yeah. there's also a lot of people that they don't understand the harm they're doing. They don't understand yeah. the harm they're doing just by buying vegetables that grow in a monocrop situation. Oh, you know, you know how, much shit, how much shit gets poisoned? Yeah. How many animals get ground up when they're using the combines? Do you know? Yeah. Do you know what kind of damage it does to just an ecosystem when you run a monocrop operation like most of the food that you buy? Yeah. Like yeah. human beings cause damage. We cause damage. Yeah. I mean, if we cause. If you're living, you're causing death. And you got to think like you personally are causing a small amount of damage. Mm -hmm. Like you personally for the food that you eat are causing a small amount of damage. But if you stop and think about LA, like 20 million people mm -hmm. and all the corn and all the soybeans and all the almonds you need for 20 million people, like that adds up and it oh, adds yeah. up to devastation. It's Definitely. crazy on wildlife and wildlife displacement and just mm -hmm. how unnatural it is to have massive fields of any one particular crop yeah. and all the animals that want to eat that stuff that get wiped out and killed and poison bugs and poison worms and po all oh. these different things that wind up getting so much wiped death. out so much death and then then because i kill a bull elk yeah and and honor every ounce of that meat like it was gold and you know and that's what i would say is people you know, Americans throw away 40% of their food. Did you know that? Yeah, I've heard of that. 40%. So part of that's going to be meat. So as a hunter, every ounce of meat is, is I always say, considered like gold. And then you got people judging you that are, you know, have a double bacon cheeseburger. And they're like, oh, God, I'm stuffed. I can't eat another bite. Take this away. It's like, what are, what are you doing? Yeah. You paid for the death of that cow. And you're so stuffed. You're such a glutton that you're pushing it away and throwing it in the garbage. But you're, but yet you're judging me. Well, people just love to judge people because it's better than looking at themselves. Yeah, you know the the thing about judging and attacking people online, it's uh, it's a fun sport for people that don't have other hobbies. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, that's what I guess. If I had to, if I could, if people could have a purpose, I mean, I just don't think people feel like they have a real purpose in in life. So that's where you know as you know bow hunting has given me a purpose it's like oh this is what i do mm -hmm. so everything revolves around what i do and so it's i know people don't have don't feel like they have a purpose that's what i it'd be nice i think we'd be a lot happier society if people felt like they had they were here for a reason and had a purpose yeah and you know the there's no shortcuts in terms of your growth as a person and when you do have a purpose and you're pursuing that purpose and you realize each step along the way, whether you're improving or whether you need to improve and you've got, you've got a task in front of you and you have this, this direction and you have this, uh, this goal in life, this, this focus, it gives you real live feedback on how good you're doing, how, where you need to improve, how you're growing, where you're failing and some people never get that. They mm -hmm. don't. They don't have that. Yeah. They just show up. They do the most. They do the least amount that they can do to not get fired. Mm -hmm. And they go home and then they just sit around. Yeah. And they watch things happen on television and they talk shit. That is, sadly, a lot of people's. Yeah. And it's this is their existence and this this is this unfulfilled life. This is this unfulfilled time here and it's mm -hmm. a it's a miserable time. Because the more you seek this comfort, the more you seek this laziness and this sloth and just laying around doing nothing, the more depressed you're going to be because you're not going to get that good feedback. Yeah. You're not going to get that growth. You're not going to get that, that feeling of accomplishment. You're not going to get 
any of the things that make life exciting. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why, like people will go, why do you get happy when you shoot a, an elk? Like the video that you and me, uh, that from last year, from yeah. my last year's hunt. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you know how hard that is to yeah, do? So hard. You would know. You shoot an animal that's 67 yards away, and yeah. you have to make sure that you hit it right. If you don't hit it right, you're you're wounding it, and then. This and it's also it's, it's so difficult just to keep your nerves together when you're you have so this sh- many hard this aspects to doing that and hundreds and hundreds of hours of practice have yeah. to be in place like you have you can't like be learning that day and doing that no. that, that shit has to be dialed in but so, out of context it's yes. for some people they're like whoa what's going on these exactly. guys are laughing exactly out of context why are you happy yeah you're you're happy because. It is an incredibly difficult thing to do, and there's a massive amount of relief. When you see that arrow, boom, go right into the pump station. You're Mm -hmm. like, oh, we did it. We did it. All the practice paid off, Mm -hmm. and then then it's just about respecting the animal and finding the animal and and taking it apart and then eating it. And and when you're eating that animal, you're thinking, when you're serving it to your family Mm -hmm. and your friends, you're thinking about that moment. You're thinking about the hard work that it took to to make that happen and it's all the more enjoyable yeah and that it there is a switch there's a switch from what it's almost like relief and and happiness a little bit that you performed as you have practiced for you said hours and hours hundreds of hours and then that arrow went right where it's supposed to and you know that that's going to result in a in a humane death for the animal so then you switch because we went from that um feeling good smiling to then the death of the animals we walked up and it's a complete night and day difference. Yeah. It was, uh, then it was, that w- that's where the respect came in and you're yeah. like, here's this dead animal and it's, then that's, you're not smiling. No. You're not, and, and for people who haven't been involved and don't know what it's like to take the life of something, I mean, everybody takes the life of something to live as we just talked about, but when you haven't done it firsthand, that can be hard to, to understand. Yeah, and I think our relationship with animals and food is skewed in this country because people are so aware of the horrors of factory farming. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about that, and a lot of people, they equate that with eating meat. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a, a really torturous and sick reality that that is how a lot of the food in this, com- in this country is, that's how it's made. Yeah. That's how it's grown. That's yeah. how it's harvested. It's these, but... The difference between factory farming and hunting elk in the mountains could not be oh, further apart. Yeah. Couldn't be further apart. No, it couldn't. You shoot one elk, you eat it for a year. <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, and the challenge, I think, especially what we do with the bow, the challenge is what makes it so rewarding to me. I remember I, my first hunt this year, um, just a couple weeks ago in Oregon, it was 100, 100 degrees, 90 degrees, full moon the worst hunting conditions, you know, as people don't know, but a full moon means animals are out feeding because they can see at night. That means they're not out during the day. And then the heat keeps them suppressed, their activity suppressed. The bulls weren't really rutting. And my buddy, who's a lineman, Kevin Akers, he's a lineman for PGE, hardworking guy, manual labor. We just love elk hunting. He comes down every year to hunt with me just because we enjoy the challenge and he loves elk hunting. And we are on day five and he, I remember he goes, he goes, man, this is uh, almost turning into a, a flirting with a grind, a little bit of a grind on this hunt. <laughs> and I was just like, no, what? I said, it's only day five, dude. I said, I wish it was hotter. I wish there was two <laughs> moons. And we were just having, you know, just joking around. 
he's always always has a good attitude too and it's just that challenge so then when you have overcome that and you say you wish it was hotter we'd quote Jocko all the time and he says yeah I wish it was hotter he goes that'd make the the water source more valuable good good <laughs> wanted to be hot so anyway when you have that mindset and you got to keep pushing and I on that hunt I was just covering mile after mile after mile looking for fresh sign because the elk weren't moving so I'd do you know 10 13 miles a day just looking for a fresh track and finally we saw Ron Hofsis, um, who no, has logged down there forever, he saw a fresh rub. A bull had torn up a tree. And that was a bull had moved in. So we were like, okay, all right, now we're on to something. A bull had been here last night because it was just from the rub wasn't there the day before, it was there then. So I'm like, there's a bull in here. We're going to, I'll find his track. We're going to find where they are. And we went through, and uh, sure enough, um, that fifth evening, of that hunt is when I got, uh, saw there was a bull up on the ridge bugling. I'd actually funny, I mean, we were going through blackberries and there was a bear about 10 feet away and I had a, a bear tag too. And I look at the bear and it looked like a pretty good bear. And I'm like, I know the bull was about 150 yards up the ridge and the, there's a couple satellite bulls. And I'm like, God, I could kill this bear. As long as it doesn't death moan really loud, I could go kill. So I come to full draw on the bear and it like looks through the blackberries at 10 feet away and sees me and takes off. So I didn't, I had to let up 10 feet away, 10 feet. Yeah. He was like from us to Jamie. I mean, right in the black, right there feeding. Cause he was in the middle of blackberries. Now a bear that's eating nothing but blackberries would probably oh, be, it'd be so good. It'd be so good. And there's, so I, you know, I had a bear tag, a mountain lion tag, a deer tag and an elk tag. So I'm like, I'm ready to make something happen. Anyway, I was going to kill this bear, um, but he took off. And so then I was focused back up on the bull and I get up there and the bull hadn't bugled in a while, but I saw there was a spike and a satellite bull and a cow. And I take, I look up over the blackberries up on top of the ridge and I see his antlers and I was just like, Jesus, that's a big bull. So I turn out to Kevin and he was behind me. I go giant bull. He didn't really know what I said. And I was just like, just stay here. So I took off my boots and snuck up there and I was 55 yards from him. And he was just laying there and I'm like, there's no way he's going to, he's kind of facing quartering to me. There's no way he's just going to stay here with, this is a rut. I mean, he's feeling it. There's other bulls around here. So I stayed there at 55 yards, ranged him a few times just to verify. He ends up standing up and turning to face uphill. And I come back 55, hold perfect and hit him with a perfect arrow. And he went 30 yards and was dead in seconds. But so when you go from the point to all that was that whole challenge of not seeing anything, sweating your ass off, covering 13 miles a day, looking for fresh sign, when that culminates in a giant seven by six bull falling in 30 yards, it, I mean, there's relief, happiness. It's, as you say, you've just achieved this, this goal that I don't even know. It's so hard to explain how difficult it is, but that's what people see. So they see that, and in context, you can't capture a week of hunting and, and sweating your ass off and and being in the sun. and. Also, you can't explain how many people fail at this. There's Everyone. 10% almost, success rate yeah, that's amongst on, good hunters. That's on any elk. So, yeah. But you start talking about big bulls, I mean, it's less than 1% you know, of, of hunters. Especially bow hunting. Bow hunting for big bulls. And it's like, so that it's hard not to feel happy, you know, but it's not, it's not the, 
you're happy with the death of the animal. You're happy because you worked your ass off and you achieved a goal. And that's, that, that would be anybody. That would be anybody. Now, when you transition to, you walk up and the animal's dead, then there's reverence, you know? And so there's, there's that change. And, um, I think people do it just like you, you know, now, cause now you've done it, but it's, you can't blame people who haven't done it for not knowing. No, and it's it's so hard when you watch, an, uh, if you ever watch a hunting television show, most of them, I mean, there's a few that do a good job of sort of explaining, capturing what it's mm -hmm. like, but most of them no. don't. There's no. a lot of flashing music and, you know, the kill yeah. shot and everybody celebrating. High fives yeah. and fist bump. It's people like, don't know. They don't know. how You're seeing 22 minutes of something that probably took many many days yeah and yeah. and and a lot of struggle and so much training to get to that point where mm -hmm. you could pull that off yeah both cardio hill running all the different things you have to do and then shooting the bow constantly like with a rifle you could pick up a rifle and not having shot for years mm -hmm. and as long as you understand the principles of shooting a gun correctly and getting a surprise shot you can if you're shooting off sticks you could put that crosshair on an yeah. animal and pull, 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 blam, and shoot the animal. Mm -hmm. It can be done. You know, I would recommend you practice, but yeah. you can pull it off. Yeah. There's no fucking way you're going to be able to pull off a long shot with a bow if you don't practice. No. You just can't do it. No. And people who even practice every day fail. Because it's nerves. Nerves it's are crazy. Nerves yeah. are a weird thing, man. It's like it protects you because, like, is that an animal? I gotta run. Like, like the, you, the like when you're in a situation where mm -hmm. you need that adrenaline because your body's got to get the fuck out of there and do superhuman things yeah. as fast as you can. Right. Then in a situation like elk hunting, now you have to keep those nerves calm. Mm -hmm. It's the weirdest thing for someone like, especially. I know I've t like uh, there's a, a few fighters that have gotten into bow hunting, and fighters are used to just in the moment just fighting like yeah. moving quick and reacting right. but bow hunting you have to stay calm mm -hmm. you have to keep your heart rate in check you have to be in the moment and just concentrate on the, the shot process mm -hmm. and don't get caught up in it don't the, don't let that anxiety get you that's hard that's hard for people it there's is. so many little mental games going on and there's and there's also not knowing exactly when to hurry, when yeah. to slow down, right. what you can get away with. You're reading the animal, you're reading their, their body language. You don't know whether to to close the gap between you and them quickly, or it's time to be patient. You don't know what the wind's going to do. There's so many things. That's why I always say, like the better shape I'm in, I can make better decisions on all those micro decisions. Yeah, you know, and that's that's what leads ultimately to success. It's not it's not running ten miles a day, but that plays into all better decisions a thousand times. And there's some. I mean, I think that any really difficult thing that you do in this life, it it elevates your ability to do difficult things. It elevates your your understanding of who you are as a person and where you stand right now in this moment. And there's very few of those things that also sustain you with food. Mm -hmm. And this is the crazy combination of what, what bow hunting is. Yeah. It's both a physical pursuit, a mental challenge, and sustenance. Mm -hmm. It's all these things together. So it's powerful. An amazing combination. Yeah. It changed my life. It's it really did. It's changed how I feel about food. It's changed my relationship with meat. You know? And that's why you offered to write the foreword of my book. Yes. I'm excited to do it. <laughs> I've already got ideas. I'll, I'll tell you after I'm done. I don't want to tell you anything. I just want you to read it when it's done. Okay. Let's get the fuck out of here. We're yeah. going hunting.
next week, buddy. Let's do it. I'm excited. I can't wait. Utah. Yeah. Here we go. All, All right. right. Goodbye, everybody. Thank keep you. Hammering. And uh, keep hammering, please. <laughs>